Hello, everybody. Welcome to Big Trouble, a little podcast, episode 235. I'm Joe Dubs. I'm Andy. I'm Chaz. I'm Blankethead. Blankethead. (laughs) (laughs) And it is Zach's turn for his theme, and he chose Western. If you haven't listened to last episode, which you should have, by the way, because we had a a big-ass episode. That was like two hours and stuff, because... I missed a week, and we had a lot of shit to talk about, especially ranking and stuff. But we are going to be doing The Searchers today in the Western world. How many John Wayne movies did you choose, by the way? Just this one. Just this The Good, Bad, Actually, and the Ugly, that's the Clint, East, uh, Clint Eastwood? So is uh, uh, Pale Rider. Okay. Actually, chose two Clint Eastwood movies. It's like, oh, okay. Nice. But, Sierra Leone movies, right? Who directed Once Upon a Time in the West? He did. Yeah, okay. So yeah, two Sierra Leone movies. Nice. Just ended up that way. Yeah, so let's talk about The Searchers. Let's let's start getting into this movie. Um, Probably one of my favorite John Wayne movies now. (laughs) because. Oh, this is your first time seeing it too? Yeah, it's my first time seeing this movie. And I was going into it, I'm like, oh, he's just going to be this, you know, obviously badass cowboy and all that stuff. But there's so much depth in this. Yes, but no, is the answer to that. Yeah, but it, 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 there's so much depth to, like, each character. It's great. Because at, at certain times, I was like, you know, John Wayne being John Wayne. But then you're just like, fuck you, John Wayne, you piece of shit. And then it's like, the ending solidifies, like, oh, he has emotions and stuff. So I liked his arc. Uh, the other guy, I forgot his name. I'm just going to call him. If, if there was a modernized version of the searchers, Zach Efron would be <laughs> the Martin, uh, Martin. Marty. It's yeah. Marty. Martin Pauly. Yeah, Martin Pauly. The one who uh, accidentally married an Indian lady. Blankethead. Yeah, Blankethead. Yeah, it's Marty. Yeah. Come on, Marty. It's, this is basically Back to the Future 3, just an alternate version, right? Yes. Is it, they actually just start calling him Marty at the end. They never like do it at all. They're like most of the movie, and then they're like Marty, Marty, and they keep calling him that. And I'm like, why do they keep calling him Marty all of a sudden? I was very confused. This is even more past. This movie is disorienting because it takes place over the course of years. Yes, five years. <laughs> yeah, because he missed uh, Christmas like what twice or, or three, maybe five times. Who knows? I think he missed Christmas five times in a row. Yeah. Mm-hmm rough i mean do you blame that lady like being like i'm fucking tired of waiting for you yeah no 100 like she's in the right like <laughs> yeah and then she almost marries that guy who goes oh so, you know i kind of get it <laughs> my guy with that incredibly terrible draw it's like somebody doing an impression of a southern accent like it really is he's like a caricature yeah. He's got his guitar, his little his mini guitar. What's funny I, is that I, guy I is a, this. that's totally Charlie, right? Is that who you guys well, are talking about? Yeah, I think it was done for comedic effect though, because apparently that guy was a a, a country musician of some renown. Really? I guess. Hmm. Yeah. So I think it was just to be silly. Well, it worked. Yeah, because because <laughs> this was back before stadium country was a thing. You had like a bunch of fake motherfuckers. So. There's no pop country. It's just Western country. There, there's no Jeff Not Jarrett be, being politicked out of Nashville yet. So, yeah, hey, double left. Sorry. <laughs> uh, it's, it's just weird, though, right? Because he like sounds so goofy. 
but then yeah. he has a beautiful singing voice. I was throwing out, yeah, I will stay right here. And then he started singing. That's the <laughs> thing I've kind of noticed because I, I watched another Western over the weekend, uh, some of these older ones. I, I noticed sometimes they have like characters that are supposed to be for, for comedy purposes or, or something uh, to varying degrees. And the one this time was this guy. <laughs> so, we got Moe's too, kind of. Yeah, Moe's as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but, uh, but by the way, the guy, to answer my own question that you guys never answered, probably because you're just like, fucking Google it. Stop asking us questions. No, it's just because I didn't know. I didn't know <laughs> what you were saying. I hadn't watched the movie yet. And you were like, hey, is this guy, this the guy from this thing? I was like, I have no idea what the fuck. I was like, who's Scar? Are you talking about from Lion King? King? (laughs) (laughs) I thought, I was like, is he talking about Jeremy Irons? Jeremy Irons is in this movie? Was he a small child? I'm talking about that German man playing a Native American? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Nazi plays bad chief. He was assault on 13 priests. So, as Cheney. But, uh, yeah, the the whole, uh, the answer, it, Answer this question for me, because okay. eventually they they uh, get up to Debbie. That's the one that's missing, right? Or is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Debbie's with Scar's group as like one of his wives or part of the tribe. But when uh, John Wayne or Ethan and Martin Pauly like get up to the tribe and talk to Scar because they got that information from that dude, uh, she comes out and like tells him to go. Now, was she telling them to go because they're about to, like, ambush them? Or was she telling them to go because, you know, she's been with the tribe and they're, like, family now? You're supposed to think it's the second one, and then upon reflection, perhaps it was the first one. Yeah, because when it got to the end and she, like, hugged, and obviously, like, when Ethan was not going to murder her because she was now, like, part of the tribe, like, the hugging part, I'm like, wait a second, I thought that was your family. But then, obviously, that solidified, like, maybe she was telling them to go because you're about to fucking die. So, I, I, I kind of like how that was written. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, it made you have to think about it a little bit. There's there's a few things about this movie's plot that make you consider what's going on for a minute or two. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, the stuff with uh, um, Ethan and his brother's wife. It's like, they seem to have like, why are they so it's like, close. they're kind of, they're very close. And apparently it's like a whole theory in this, in this movie that they, he cuckolded his brother and that, that, that might be his daughter, uh, Debbie actually. <laughs> Cause it would explain why he's so hardcore about, about this whole thing with, with her. But, and he just leaves at the end. He just leaves, just leaves at the end of the movie. He's like, well, I, can't I got her in. The, the end of the movie is like one of the most famous shots in filmmaking because John John Ford does the cool thing where he frames a shot in the doorway, which already is just a gorgeous shot. Let's face yeah. it. But it's also symbolic of every character in the movie walks through the doorway into civilization, like toward us, the viewers. And uh, Ethan, John Wayne, has to stay outside in the West, in the wilderness, away from civilized folk yep and they do a callback with uh martin or the uh the the martin's girlfriend's parents like they were talking about all the shit's going crazy like the world is going nuts and then the wife is like 
you know, eventually civilization's going to be civilized and, you know, all this, this stuff. This may be a decent country one day. Yeah. And yeah. I, and I like what you just explained kind of solidifies that scene as well, because they're coming to a civilized area and John Wayne is out there being like, nah, man, I'm a badass fucking dude. No, when this movie starts, uh, the country is shook. Like the Civil War has just ended and and thousands are dead. Like, you know, the uh, rebuilding is starting in the South, which Texas is part of. Meanwhile, out West, there is no society or uh, civilization. Law is just barely hanging on in the West. So every everything's in question like they are in a very unlawful part of an of a country that is itself somewhat shook and unlawful as well like it's it's the perfect setting for this kind of ambiguity okay um i guess did you guys have any nitpicks because i from beginning to end i have nothing but good things to say about it uh, is there anything that like bothered you or are you kind of like just like, eh, I don't know if I like that white guy playing a Native American? Yeah, <laughs> wasn't wild about that, thing. but it's 1956. Like, I don't want to forgive it because, oh, it's all the way it was back then. But it, it does bother me. Like every time they show a close up of Scar, I'm like, that's a white guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not only is that a white guy, that's a white guy whose birth name was, uh, uh, he's Henry Brandon, but he was born Heinrich von Kleinbach. Yeah, I, I always knew, someone <laughs> told me once, he was Damn. born in Germany. <laughs> yes, he was. He was born in Berlin in 1912. <laughs> Damn. So, yeah, I was like, who is the guy? I was like, I, was, I, was like, I bet he's Italian, because Italians always end up be somehow being a native american an arab or something like that because the skin the skin tone they can have but uh nope it's heinrich (laughs) Um, that bothered me i guess if you want me to to nitpick something it's yeah it's it is a a bother but it's not that I'm forgiving it. That's just how shit was back then. Yeah, exactly. You know, you know, honestly, the, this movie does a lot of, like, I, you know, this is something to, to backload our conversation with because of how, how kind of heavier this is. How many John Ford and or even John Wayne Westerns did, have you guys seen that predate this movie? This is 1956. Have you seen like, you know, Stagecoach or, or all the old Westerns and stuff? No, yeah. this is my first one. Oh, okay. Well, I... I this will be neither here nor there to you, I guess. But Westerns and specifically a lot of John Ford Westerns like treated Native Americans pretty harshly. Like they they depicted them very un- and, and you know they're the bad guys in this movie. But it's uh, John Wayne's depiction of of Ethan being a racist toward Native Americans that is kind of like trying to take a step toward. Um, step or rather a step away from that kind of way of thinking because he's like a scumbag like you hate him and he's a racist mm-hmm. but also he's like the protagonist and he knows what he's doing and he's gonna get debbie back and like you know it's that that's that's what makes this movie so great is that um that dichotomy of his character like he's clearly a bad guy he might have slept with his brother's wife. He probably committed some crimes after the, the Civil War ended, we think. Yep. Like he implies it heavily, but they they come they they walk right up to the door and then don't knock on the question as to whether or not he like 
robbed a stagecoach or a bank or a train or something. Like he did something, and now he's got a bunch of freshly minted um, American currency. Yeah, and, they, that, that, and they don't talk about it. They just they just roll with it. That's that's another thing that's supposed to indicate. Okay, Ethan is clearly someone of questionable background. I mean, and then in addition to that, he's outrageously like wrathful toward Native Americans, and he's just wrathful in general as well. He is, yeah. We've seen some things. He's seen some shit. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of what I take it to be. It's a. I think it's a running theme. Yeah, because like a lot of, uh, I don't want to generalize, but I feel like a lot of the plots of these uh, westerns, at least the older ones, is Civil War's over. Some some Confederate soldiers fuck off, get away from civilization because they're fucking defeated, and then they become like a fucking cowboy or some kind of bounty hunter or something. They they end up being like a western frontiersman usually. And he was one of them. I mean, so. <laughs> um, also, I wanted to point out something real quick between Scar and Ethan, which I thought was interesting. Uh, something I was reading about the searchers uh, was that kind of building off what Andy was saying was they never show the, the, the Native Americans, the Indians, uh, that they do anything any worse than what any white people do in this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, and it's funny when they finally sit down and they meet each other face to face. Uh, there's like, we were, we're here to make a trade and, and scar shows him the scalps. And he, he explains like, I take scalps for, uh, my two sons that were killed by the white man. So in some kind of weird way, scar is kind of like a native American Ethan. <laughs> yeah. He, yes. has, he has already done what Ethan is doing basically. Yep. Yeah. Cause I listen, I understand what we did to the Native Americans is bad, genocide is bad, um, and I do like that I, at some point I was like, Ethan, you motherfucker, like, stop it. <laughs> like, he was he was literally gonna kill his uh, supposed, you know, theorized daughter because she hung out. <laughs> it's it's the equivalent of, like, a white la- uh, woman dating a black guy in a sense. It's like, oh, you're with them. Having a Hulk Hogan moment, pretty much. Uh, but what <laughs> yes. I... What I really like, and a lot of films are doing it today, where just like all the white people came and just like slaughtered, and they're the only bad guys. There's some Indian people that did some fucked up shit, and in this film they showed it, especially when the women, uh, what happened to the women and the older girl that uh, when John Wayne went into the mountain, and he's like, you know what they did, and all that stuff, and he was like sad about it, like. I do like that they show both sides. Like, two wrongs don't make a fucking right. And it's just like, it's not picking a side. Well, my side didn't do this much, and my side didn't do that and stuff. They're both fucking being assholes. It's not, I mean, it's the wrong kind of homily, or not homily. It's kind of the wrong saying, uh, two wrongs don't make a right. What they're trying to say is, like, vengeance begets vengeance. Mm-hmm. And it's you gotta that, break the cycle. Eventually, you gotta like break this cycle of vengeance because it's just it goes back and forth forever. Yeah, yeah that's what Naruto taught everybody. You gotta oh, break the cycle. Yeah. <laughs> he did. I'm just saying. He, he's a, he's kind of a cowboy in a way. I'm controlling now. But uh, that that being said, so there's another problem though too that I, I just have with what you'd said though is in that western 
films actually help create a lot of the stereotype and a lot of the the thought that Native Americans were savages. When in fact, a, a lot of what we saw, like in terms of what they're showing in the film, it looks like, oh yeah, that would happen. So it's good for plot. But in actuality, I mean, again, that's how westerns are anyway, and just like unveiling, unveiling like what's there. Like the films are great, but the reality of what actually happened is totally different. Exactly. And that's okay. Again, that's just this whole film thing. But like in terms of saying, oh, I'll watch this all. Well, the Native Americans themselves, it, 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 like we take that and use it as a parallel. But you might as well Native Americans in this film. I'm going to sound ridiculous for saying this, but they might as well be vampires. Because it doesn't really compare to what real Native Americans were like. Same way that cowboys weren't the same either. It's just, for the sake of the film, it's good and it uses parallels of a setting, but it doesn't actually fit with what historically happened. Um, so I think that's that's one thing that, that keeps straight because a lot of don't get me wrong, I'm sure there are plenty of people that had vengeance killings and it leads to the same thing. The plot is still good. The story and the lesson that's there is still good. But in terms of what actually happened, it doesn't fit. There's there's tons of these these things where people are just uh, like completely uh, uh, just take it like their settlements, any of their tribes are just completely destroyed and they have nothing. And they're just like outright leaving trails of, of children murdered for the sake of it. Oh yeah. Again, that, it, that's why I, I said both sides, you know, my, my dad brought up the analogy is like, imagine if someone came in our house and said, this is fucking mine and you better leave or you're going to fucking die. Like, I understand that part of what, you know, the Native American. You, you guys are living at ground zero for that. I mean, that's that's uh, that's where yeah. the trail tears started. No, no, what's <laughs> I'm saying? Like, this would be like this would be like in like fifty fifty to hundred years if Germany started making films where like there was this wild frontier out in Germany back in the forties, and they made it seem like before the Holocaust happened or after it happened that that Jewish people were fighting back and doing all kinds of horrible things too to fight, and there was some territorial war. Like it was like, oh yeah, well they did some bad stuff too. But like no, they were mostly just innocent and captured, and they were just trying to commit mass genocide. Well, like that's a lot of what's happened with the Native Americans too. Just in a, again, it's not exactly the same, so it's kind of apples and oranges. But <laughs> that, that's yeah. a, that was apples and plots, But okay, now that's it's it's. It's again in the same way. Genocide is genocide. Again, it's just a difference of the difference sure. is you have people still fighting against them versus, I mean, a lot of a lot of the ways. Well, here's what know. I don't like about media, and especially when you have you know people activists that like latch onto it and mm -hmm. generalize the whole population. Now, listen, I'm not fucking defending anybody that is like racist and stuff, but usually when film puts it out, like, you know, white man versus Indians, like every single white person wanted to kill every Indian. Wrong. Oh, not at all. Yeah. yeah. And and the same thing, like, and I know I, I'm not saying this because I don't know what happened during the time of Germany with the population and people, but I'm pretty sure mm -hmm. not every German was like, yeah, we need to kill the Jews. Oh, I know that. And yeah. what, I, what I'm saying is, like, to come off and to see that, oh, they're, they're, they make this antagonist group that's there out to be, oh, it's just been that way the whole time of them fighting. In reality, like, there, there still stems a source of, okay, well, then what, where did it, like, what was the crux of how it happened? Like, what caused them to actually fight? Because don't get me wrong, there are there were plenty of situations where smaller groups of people or tribes were individually, if they were to find a group of settlers that were white, yeah, some that were, uh, you know, not looking for for revenge or fighting, were going to trade and do other stuff, just like they depict in the movie. Whereas there are groups that really were just attacking for the sake of it, because they're like, "We, your group attacked us, we're going to attack you." That that I'm sure that existed. It's just that 
it also somewhat, if you use that as the only basis, it will paint a picture like that is the only thing that happened. And, and, and that, that's where it becomes a little iffy uh, yeah, in terms yeah, of yeah. what the history is. It's just, it just like, again, it, it's still good for the story. I'm not offended by watching this by any means. Again, these are, uh, I guess I'm not saying in that way, like, oh, yeah, I've got to, like, claim the minority. These are my ancestors. It's not that. But, I mean, really, like, again, these this is what we're watching is we're watching a group of people that are being depicted like they're, they're equally as bad or all bad on two sides when there's a lot more backstory we don't know. But mm-hmm. for the sake of the story, that doesn't matter. Like the I'm bubble not, is. You guys, you guys might leave this for like middle school social studies conversation. I'm not sure anybody things. came to watch the searchers looking for historical content. No, absolutely <laughs> not. So, yeah. No. yeah, we went a hole. That's we're a little too bogged down in this. I think. Yeah, no, that's. I, uh, I, I said the bubble is the story. It doesn't really matter. Just we're to still... steer away from like what we're talking about for a second, I'm having a very deja vu moment. And Polar Knights, if you're still in the chat, you said this last time, and I, I remember did. you saying this last time. As a barber, I love this perfect evolution of beer growth. And it's funny because everyone was at different stages when he said that the, the, before. But if you've been watching our podcast, thank you. And uh, thank you for uh, looking at our faces, I guess. All right. I let's think that's a bot. Sorry. Yeah. That's a bot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a bot. It's it's beard bot. We got you. <laughs> We're watching you, beard for say. Um, I want to gush about how amazing this movie looks. Because uh, yes. so does a, every director ever. It was the first thing I noticed. <laughs> I didn't read anything about this movie. Nothing. I just knew it was like, oh yeah, it's just supposed to be a good western. That's the only reason why I picked it. I had no context of any of it. I didn't know about John Ford and John Wayne and their long running you know, partnership and all that stuff. Now John Ford is like a super interesting guy, director to me, after I just shortly read about him. And he wears an eye patch. What a badass. <laughs> yeah. He wears an eye patch. He starts fake fights and shit. And he acts like a tough guy. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like the opening shot, I'm like, oh, shit. This is like this awesome panoramic view. And there's tons of shots like that in this movie. And stuff that's going on in the back, the far background. And stuff in the foreground. Monument Valley. Monument Valley, yeah. And uh, plus, it's another thing. It's that early uh, Technicolor uh, that I really like. I don't know why I have like this this soft, fuzzy spot for early Technicolor look of like films from like uh, I guess when they started Technicolor all the way up to the sixties, early sixties. This film was released in Vista Vision. Vista Vision, yeah. yeah. I was looking that up because I was like, is there something about the way this movie is filmed? Because it looks like really different from others in this division yep yeah i have a lot of weird nostalgia for this type of of color too i I think it's because of as a kid seeing and watching my my grandpa watching well just any western he's watching and that's that's the type of aesthetic it had watching it yeah i don't know if that's what you think too i don't know if there's nostalgia for you or if you just um, like the way it looks there's a little bit of nostalgia but it has more to do with i just like the way it looks because the colors really pop and they're actually like i won't say it's natural color but it's like through the process they use that is the natural color because they don't really use color grading in this at all as far as i can tell it looks like it's just the shot and that's the result of the process they ran yeah they, they shot beautiful country so it just on film, it looks beautiful. Mm-hmm. 
And I liked some of the other little effects they did too. I mean, like, it's not just Monument Valley. Like when they right before the scene with the buffalo where it's snowing and they're standing in the trees mm-hmm, having a conversation, mm-hmm. that scene's gorgeous. It just it looks so good. And I know it's shot on a set, but my eyes don't care. It looks great. Another great example of that too, it's not even an exterior shot. It's like when um Ethan's uh family is it's like dusk before the uh scar and his uh his band's about to attack. And you see like uh, a shot of his brother, like he's like standing through the doorway looking outside, and it's like the the dusk light is coming through the windows, mm. and it's like very orange. It's not real dusk light, but it's it it's really interesting looking. And then you see the opposite shot where he's standing outside, and you see inside, and it's kind of dark in the house in there. Really cool. I um it. Sorry, real quick, I just wanted to say, I, I keep going through the cycle in life uh, as far as being a film lover where I see John Ford stuff and I think, oh man, this guy's a fucking genius. And then like a couple years go by and I haven't watched one in a while. And I think, I just think that because this movie's reputation or The Searchers had such an interesting story or Stagecoach was so like innovative for its time. And then I'll watch one again. It's like, no, no, this guy really was brilliant. <laughs> it's true. I was, I was researching before this episode a little bit as well. And um, Martin Scorsese won't shut up about how much he loves John Ford. There's like three different interviews with the guy from like Criterion and the American Film Institute, a bunch of other people where he just talks about, Oh, I graduated. I went, we went and saw searchers and I loved it. And I fell in love with it. Oh my God. I love it. I'm Martin Scorsese and I make movies. Well, the sets, <laughs> the sets were even good too. Yeah. No, the sets are really well made. I mean, at this point, uh, John Ford was like one of the biggest directors in the business. So he yeah. could, he could draw that kind of, he could, he could make sets big if he wanted to make them um and uh i i i think there's a clip of this movie in martin scorsese's first movie mean streets which is kind of a weird kind of thing also one more quote from another famous uh, like tons of famous directors love i mean akira kurosawa loved john ford even like it's just it's just another interesting thing but uh Someone was interviewing um, Orson Welles one time, and they said, oh, what are your favorite American directors? And Orson Welles said, well, as far as American directors go, I like to stick to you know, the, the, big, the big ones, the greats, uh, John Ford, John Ford, and John Ford. <laughs> That's his, his whole quote. <laughs> That's just That's great. great. <laughs> I mean, is he like, like, hang on a second, around that era – would you say he probably was the biggest American film director? I mean, like in terms of skill, notoriety and all that. Notoriety, probably. I mean, dude made like more than 100 movies in his lifetime. He won like four uh, best picture awards and he won a bunch of awards for his uh, wartime films like propaganda and stuff. Yeah. There's, a, there's a famous interview with him where they say, oh, you did all these war films. He went to war and you shot, you know, the troops doing stuff. And uh you know, what, what did you learn about bravery? And he just talks about how he, he knows he's a coward and I, I, I can't, I can't paraphrase what he says as well as he did, but it, it's just a really interesting, like the guy had a, had an interesting way of looking at everything too. Like he was, he was somehow both humble, but also like outrageously bombastic. One of my favorite pictures, I yeah. was trying to find it so I could, I could 
plug it in here, but there's a picture of him like dressed like a badass, like as a director, and he's got like a stupid coif on and like a, a pilot's hat and sunglasses, and he's leaning against a marble fireplace, and over the fireplace is a huge oil painting of him dressed like that. <laughs> I've seen that picture, yeah. It's I was like, I like this guy. He's got pizzazz. Yeah, he's he's out. I think I hope I'm not misremembering this, but someone else told me a story about how apparently later in his career, every time he would release a big movie, he refused to go to the uh the premiere. And he also refused to go to the Academy Awards or any yeah. awards show too. But he would not go to the premiere. Instead, he would lock himself in his home and just get blind stinking drunk for like a week. Yep. <laughs> And he, and then he would swear it off. There it is. There's the picture. Hey, yeah, there it is. <laughs> that's so awesome. That's what I just found on Google. I was like, oh, yeah. That's, oh, that's it. great. But uh, uh, I was trying to think of other directors from around that time that are, like, really prominent, and I, I, I can't really think of them. 50s. Um, I mean, Frank Capra or, like, uh, I, I don't know. I, I should be able to pull a bunch more. Um I mean, Charlie Chaplin is still making stuff, but no one cared about him anymore. Uh, He's past his prime. Yeah. I, I want to watch more of John Ford. This is like my first John, here. John Ford movies because when I was watching this, like, Andy, you're right. Like, every shot I was like, ooh, ah. Uh, and like, good. it was yeah. really good. And even the sets, even the part where, like, uh, the, is his name Futterman? The guy who, like, backstabbed them and, or took the money, half the oh. money. Those yeah. are my favorite scenes too. I can't believe yeah. I didn't mention that. Yeah, just, that's that's a really cool scene. Just the set, state. just the set itself. I was like, it looks really good for probably plastic rocks. <laughs> <laughs> the sets were pretty convincing. I mean, like, it, it, I didn't really sit there and try to nitpick them. I guess just because I was so engaged by the movie. Mm. But uh, if you guys yeah. want to see more John Ford, by the way, definitely watch the Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. That's that's the next that's the next big one. Okay. Hmm. I also want to see the grapes of wrath. I've never seen it. I've always wanted to. That's been, that's one I've never gotten around to. I feel like I should watch Stagecoach too. Yeah, yeah, Stagecoach is a classic. It has one of the best shots in any movie ever put to film, and it's just they're all in the stagecoach, and it's all these characters you've been introduced to, and they're all kind of interesting. And uh, like the driver and the guy riding shotgun are up top, and they're like, "Who's that?" And they stop. And it shows John Wayne just standing there holding a saddle and like I think a Winchester or a shotgun or something. And the camera zooms in on his face. Oh, it's one of the best shots in cinema. I fucking love it. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I for a second I was like, wait a second, Debbie as a fifteen year old um, looks familiar. And I was like, let me look up Natalie Wood. She's Maria from the West Side Story, by the way. Oh. And I was like, God, I was like, I knew I had fucking seen her before. And also, she's Judy from Rebel Without a Cause. I see. Rebel Without a Cause is a great movie. Go see that movie. The the one that bothered me was uh the Reverend Captain whatever his name is Clay. Uh, he's Bert in um in a Wonderful Life. Oh, oh. okay. I, I was like, I know I've seen this guy. I, I had to look it up. He's in It's a Wonderful Life. He's Bert. Well, didn't we watch another movie with a It's a Wonderful Life where Clarence the uh, Angel was in one of the movie the mob movies that we saw? I think. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I thought what, so. I think it's Sierra. Not was this Sierra West? I think it was Sierra West. The uh, the father of the guy who. Uh, oh, hi Sierra. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh Sierra. yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, that's who it was. Yep, the farmer from Ohio. Mm hmm. Um. Yeah, Scar. I I, I like uh, when John Wayne points out Scar's fucking scar. He's like, "I was gonna ask you how you got that scar and all that stuff." I don't know the exact words. No, it's clear how you got your. Yeah, it's clear how you got your name. That's what he says. Yeah. Uh, I guess my only nitpick that I kind of like cringed about is because you know back then and during the times they always have to like make that minority like a comedian in a way. Um, they chose look. Uh, the Indian lady as the comedic person, uh, you know, when Marty accidentally marries her because he didn't know that buying the blanket was buying marriage. Yeah, it's like it's kind of funny, but also it's yeah, you're right, it's kind of cringe. Like, I don't yeah, know. <laughs> he kicks but, the shit out of her. Yeah, it was also, yeah, I was like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> damn, dude, what did she do? He's like making you coffee and shit. I thought they were gonna like show that she died or something, just like hit her neck on a rock or something. It was yeah, a million dollar baby. Nope. I, yeah, I had the same thought because John Wayne looked kind of like horrified, like, huh? like he was looking off screen, like, is she dead? Is she laying in like an awkward ape? <laughs> Like mm-hmm. you just killed your wife, blanket head, you stupid <laughs> idiot, and he just punches him out. Yeah, uh, I did like like I kind of laughed at when uh, she finds out about Scar. Like she makes an arrow at a rock and she pieces the fuck out. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that Scar's a big fucking deal. Uh, what and do you guys I- think? Did she, did she like abandon them, or was she trying to find Scar for Marty? I because he says I, in his letter he'll never know. Yeah, I I think what happened is she understood, uh, and she gave him a hint. It's kind of like when you're, yeah. uh, you know, snitches get stitches in the hood kind of thing. I that's how she was doing. She didn't want to snitch. She did, she didn't want to be caught saying that. So she just uh, made a fucking arrow and and left. Snitches, so she did want to help. She just couldn't do it. Yeah, get stitches out in the Indian nation. She didn't want to associate with white men anymore. <laughs> I don't I mean, blame you, her. You got, you got kicked down a hill. Fucking blanket head goes hardcore, man. He he like big booted Charlie right in the fucking face when they're having a fight. <laughs> I mean, it poppy. I was like, dude, he just hit him with a big boot straight up right in the face. I will say this too about the movie, um, because sometimes um I don't know, I've I've been over like how I'm picky about like comedy or comedic elements. Um mm. and sometimes particularly with like older movies. And I will say the humor in this movie is actually pretty good for the most part. <laughs> mm. Like there's something about like the uh, bl- old Blake head, Martin and Charlie having their fight was like amusing. Like, <laughs> they're, like, being, they're like being really polite with each other and shit. And then they just start fighting. I love that. Part. Yeah, he, like, he's like, down, he helps him take off his jacket. And he's like spit there. And they just like tackle each other. What is that? What is <laughs> that? was the single. I was like, yeah. "What the hell is this custom?" <laughs> that, that was that was their way of saying on three, brother. Spit on the fucking firewood. We'll go. For a and second, then, uh, sorry, to, sorry to interrupt you because it's in the same talk of the fight. For a second, I thought Charlie was going to go up to the 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 lady that he's about to marry. I forgot her name. Um, and he's like, "He's fighting a good fight. You should marry him." I thought that was what he was going to say. Like he was going to concede, but he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> um. What else was funny? Uh, some of the shit John Wayne says is funny, of course, uh, typically. Uh, but more in like a, a kind of a sarcastic kind of like, ha, you idiot way. 
Um, <laughs> he's real smarmy the whole movie. He's very smarmy, but he's he's also still cool. Like uh, that first scene, like in the beginning of the movie, like what it's when they were going back to the the homestead. Everybody went ahead, and there's like our horses got a rest, and nobody wanted to listen to him. And you know, Martin's horse died or some shit. You didn't see it. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's he's like riding back, and when he sees the the homes on fire, he like has his rifle in one hand, and he like does that, and, and like the the sheath thing for the rifle ever just flies off. Like holy shit, that was cool. It was such a simple thing, but I, don't I love that. I love that scabbard he has for his rifle. I want that thing. That thing rules. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty sick. It's got the extra long tassels on it. I, I was just like it. I'm gonna have to buy a lever rifle and do get one or something. Mm. <laughs> um. Oh, by to... the way, real quick. Um, uh, Marty arrives too late to save his uh his his family from being burned at their homestead, and then he has to go on a quest with an older learned guy. What's that sound like? <laughs> This sounds like Star Wars. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Except, uh, you know, Obi-Wan wasn't a grouchy... Racist. Hateful, racist. Hateful, yeah. racist. <laughs> I hope Obi-Wan's not a racist. Like, fucking Rodians. <laughs> I hate Rodians. These fucking... So what, you're saying, so what you're saying is George Lucas watched this and he was like, Star Wars. Like, what if George I just made Lucas a Western, but space? Yeah. Star Wars just ripped happened. a bunch of stuff off. It ripped off... Some John Fords and Akira Kurosawa, some mm-hmm. uh, some Flash Gordon. Hell yeah! Just put it on a blender and that's what it sounds it's like. You just mix it in a pot, and you're like, "Here you go." Yeah, that's it's, right. It's a yeah. melting pot of a bunch of, of stuff, good stuff that came before it. Nothing wrong yeah. with that. But just to like piggyback on the whole, uh, you know, John Wayne like getting close to his brother's wife and stuff, because like they purposely pause the scene where he's like staring at her remember like uh when they're you know gathering all their shit to go look around for the indians she like hugs the the coat i i noticed that detail like she was cherishing it before she gave it to john wayne and john wayne john wayne kind of stared at him the reverend i kind i'm really picky like the reverend i understand was welcomed in in the home but everybody left and he just stood there and watched john wayne look at that lady and then end the scene. I was like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> absurd. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did like the whole, am I talking to a preacher or a captain? Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> it's got to make sure that, you know, you're not, you know, spilling your beans and being all guilty with your crimes and stuff. So I kind of appreciate the constitution, right? To remain silent. Yeah. Uh, I just also like that he invoked the right, and he's like, "Yep, you're you're a civil servant now. No pay. <laughs> Without pay, every time he reminds him, no pay though. <laughs> no pay. <laughs> this is not pay. All right, let's go risk your lives." But, also, like when they had the the union guy, the Green Hill, and he's just like a total fucking goober. Yeah, he's like, "Sir, I'm Lieutenant Green. I'm here to tell you." And then they can just give him a hard time. I don't know why that was pretty funny. I like that character. <laughs> like he's anxious to please. Like he's inept. But he's still like, I want to stay here. I want to help. Like, oh, I like he's like, all right, well, you can stay, I guess. He pulls out his sword. It's, like, it's all awkward. It's like, watch your knife, boy. In the battle, too, they're like pouring the stuff on the guy's ass. And they're like, what happened? Did you get shot? Or did you get an arrow? He's like, no. And they just highly suggest he got poked in the ass with the sword. <laughs> I didn't catch that. That's pretty great. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm pretty hard about that. That's also, oh, wow. I, I didn't realize it, though, looking at it, uh, 
Green Hill is John Wayne's son, Patrick Wayne. Oh, what? I knew he was in this movie. I didn't know who he was. Yeah, he That's was. He funny. was the. Yeah. Sorry, Andy. What were you tr- gonna say? I cut I you off. Remember. It doesn't matter. So, Oops. just to piggyback on the whole, uh, you know, theory and shit, right? The whole three years, because remember they like nonchalantly say, "Well, the war has been over for three years," and the and the son is like, "Wait, where have you been for three years? Do you think at some point maybe his old lady um, that John Wayne was with mailed him a letter and said, "I fell in love with your brother," and maybe that's why he didn't show up for three years? I mean, it's clear they'd been married for a while. They had like a fifteen-year-old daughter or something. Yeah. But- yeah, son, that's older than the other daughter. Okay. Um, I think he was just out, you know, being a, a frontiersman, getting into trouble. Uh, yeah. He also fought in that uh, that Texas Mexico War, or whatever. Apparently. Um. Mm-hmm. So and that lasted for a couple years after the Civil War was over. Yeah, so, I, I mean, it's very possible that the context is set up is that she was originally in love with him, similar to how. Uh, Laurie and Martin had a thing, but then he left and she moved on. The difference is that he didn't come back in time for that to matter. Yeah. And then it was too late. He fell in love with the brother, whereas Martin... And again, I think it's really similar. They they do that throughout the 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 movie, contrasting how the, some of the decisions that Martin has given are very similar to Ethan's, but even though he makes a lot of the same decisions, he handles it in such a different way or the reason for it is different that that just makes him his own distinct character. Otherwise he could have easily ended up like Ethan, you know, defending and being hardened and kind of shut away from the world. Um, shut out from civilization. Cause yeah, he wasn't going to give up on his family and that's, and it was also nice too, because technically he's, it's not his like blood relative. It, these are people that he, uh, you know, <laughs> He was up. just raised with, but like to him, it's, it's who he loves. It's his family. Um, yeah, and I, I really like the scene um, toward the end. You know, after the fact, he hands him the letter and he has him read out that he's going to give him all of his stuff. It's, it, it's so weird. It's such a bittersweet thing because he realizes, okay, I'm probably going to die. I'm going to have. I'm going to give my stuff to him. So like, he, it's almost like he's being acknowledged finally, but at the same time, like that gets completely superseded by the fact that, wait a second, you were going to kill her. That's the whole reason we were coming after her was to save her. So he just, it, he couldn't give a shit less because to him, like his priorities are with save her at all costs. So that was like a neat, like really dramatic scene. I think it's the first, as the first or second time he says, that'll be the day. And then he just rips it like two or three more times in the movie. Anytime something happens, it, that'll be the day. Ethan was going to save her. He was going to save her by putting her out of her misery. It's one of those weird Japanese anime villain things. <laughs> Except he's a, he's an American cowboy man. That's what I like though. Is they make <laughs> they, they don't make him they don't make him super likable. Like it's enough that he's a cowboy and he's a badass. But it's like man, I just can't root for you. Like yet, like there's it's like there's just something about it. It's like you got a couple of things you need to to make right first. And it's like again, he'd be unforgivable if he kills her. But then at the end, he, he realizes he can't do it. It's, and it's almost of, like, like Martin's had enough of a an effect on him. He kind of has like that whole, like, what, what was that, Gran Torino with fucking Clint Eastwood, where he was like so racist and be like, get off my lawn. And then he like finds out he just has a heart. <laughs> that's a, that's yeah. how I felt like John Wayne was in, in this movie. He left old well, dude as Gran Torino. At the end, do you consider him wholly redeemed? No, no. He's always no. going to be that great character. <laughs> 
No, I don't even think the movie does. Like, like no. I said, like he's he's still he's... outside. He doesn't get to come into society to civilization. It, I think it's more like he was able to solve resolve the issue at hand, and he didn't totally fuck up because he goes from like, okay, maybe he can still redeem himself, and and this is the path to start to right some of the wrongs that he's made that we don't know about yet, or he can go off and and to the distance and, and leave everyone else at peace. But he definitely would have been irredeemable if he had killed her. Oh yeah, absolutely. Sure. I mean, then yeah. he'd have been a, a straight out villain. He's right. kind of like an anti-hero in this movie. Like up till this point in his career, he was always Sterling, um, a hero guy. Like in Stagecoach, it's implied that he is um, a bandit or something, but he ends up being a good guy and he helps him get through it. And, oh my gosh! And then, like she wore a yellow ribbon. He's like a cavalry officer, and then uh, in a bunch of his other movies, he's always like a, a really good good cowboy guy and then this movie comes along and he's like scumbag <laughs> i was gonna i was gonna ask you about that because i was gonna because i was gonna ask i'm pretty sure you've seen more john wayne movies than, than me uh and i feel like there's like uh, I, I felt like there's a perception that john wayne is just this oh pilgrim good good guy cowboy dude that uh, that's that's the reputation he had prior to the searchers he was Vanilla, he was cherry pie with a dollop of vanilla ice cream on top. American good boy. <laughs> of course, I've also seen uh, the original True Grit, where he was kind of like a f- fucking drunk asshole. That came after this. That came uh, after yeah, this. which is another one that where he's kind of playing. A, I won't say a similar character, but on a similar wavelength. Yeah, that and um, and uh, uh, what's the one that came after it? The sequel, whatever. Rooster that Cogburn. One, yeah, Rooster Cogburn. He's he's like. A, a bastard in those, but but before that, yeah, he was he was very much oh such such a nice guy that he's a hero. I love him. I hope my child grows up to be like him. He's more entertaining as a bastard. I'll just say that one hundred percent. This is um. I mean, in a way, uh, Ethan Edwards is like the original character that people idolize, but they aren't supposed to. I was uh, I was kind of ready. I, I was I was locked and loaded to have that that conversation but i guess i'm gonna go ahead and use it here anyway someone i think it was dubs in the the conversation or in the the chat put like man john wayne's a badass in this movie or something like that and i wanted it to be like oh he's so badass but it's it's that thing it's like travis bickle or like uh like uh, rick sanchez or the joker where it's like <laughs> you, you missed the point by idolizing this character it's that thing because like everyone's like oh i fuck uh, my facebook profile picture is gonna be the joker and a quote about how I'm faithful and dangerous. Oh my God. And it's like, this is kind of the original version of that. It's like, Oh, John Wayne, he's so capable. He's a veteran and he's got all that money and he knows how to, how to hunt down them Comanche and get revenge. You miss the point by, by taking that away from, and what I was saying dubs is that you rightfully interpreted the movie, but I was, I was ready. I was ready for you to interpret it the ignorant way and then come in here. Guns oh, blazing, no. but no, keep in mind when i made that uh remark uh it was really really early in the scene because you're like all right he's kind of a badass he might be a criminal but everybody was fucking mostly doing that i'm, I'm fine with him being a criminal if he robbed yeah. the united states government of the gold that's 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 a ticket good yeah. in the good box for me yeah, fuck <laughs> him. and he carries <laughs> and he carries himself so like that's another thing i was like oh, he's kind of a badass but like at, at, in the middle of the film I'm like you motherfucker you were gonna shoot that young lady 
it, after like the, what really pissed me off is like he sees the other child that probably got raped or just murdered like super killed and all that stuff and just super killed super More killed death. yeah super uh, killed. and that's, then that's he, now. and then they finally <laughs> like after all that time get up to debbie and like he's pointing a gun at her and then like you're one of them and i'm just like what the fuck <laughs> like what the fuck are you doing and like at, at the time i was like barton's kind of annoying but now i'm on the martin side <laughs> Yeah, you're supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in his mind, at first, it's simply if I can find her in enough time, I can save her. If I can't, then I at least need to put her out of her misery because that's what her that's what her mama would have wanted. I think that's what he said, right? Or that's yeah. what her daddy would have wanted. I think he still views it as saving her in like a biblical sense or an anime villain way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, no, it totally has an anime villain like. <laughs> Oh, I'm bringing salvation to everyone by mm. killing us all. Killing the world us. must be saved, and by saving it, I mean I must cleanse it and remake it in my own image. Well, yep. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to save this country from the native menace. <laughs> well, John Wayne kind of like, kind of like makes fun of their religion because remember when the I I, I forgot the guy's name, uh, but the <laughs> I call him the beta male. He's like. Throw the rock at the, the Indian's head, and then John Wayne he like was so butt hurt. Yeah, he, John Wayne like shoots him in the eyes. He's like, now they their soul is trapped here forever. And he's like, <laughs> yeah, that's that's, like, that's him being a racist motherfucker again. Like, you're yeah. Like, yeah, I don't necessarily. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say he's like him like trolling. Yeah, I mean it's just straight up him being an asshole because he's like, oh, yeah, yeah he's fuck you. Now, now you never get to rest your soul for all eternity, bitch. Well, he hates him. No, no, they, they pour it on like it's it's all there. Like he he calls he calls them names. They he, uh, even um, uh, not the judge, the, the the captain, the Texas Ranger, the Reverend is like, let him carry away their dead or whatever. And he's like, still shooting him. He's pissed off, and uh, yeah, he's shit. shooting the bison. And Ethan's like, what or what or not Ethan Martin's like, what are you doing? He's like, hey, they're not going to feed the Comanche this winter. It's like, dude, settle down. <laughs> yes, that's that's funny you bring it up, Dubs, because that's like the first point where. It's really tipped off. It's like, yeah, maybe Ethan's not really is not necessarily a good guy at all. Because up to that point, you think maybe he's just kind of rough character, a little rough around the edges, but hard gold in, in the center, well, the gooey they, center. It's like, no, he's a racist. <laughs> that's where it is. I, I caught it real early because I grew up. I mean, all of us grew up in the '90s when they started teaching us about racism, and there was always that one like old white dude, like fucking. You know, I mean, there was racism before the nineties. I know, but what I'm trying to say <laughs> is what like, saying. What, what, <laughs> growing up in the nineties, like I caught when John Wayne was talking to Martin, like you're one percent Cherokee. Oh like he started like getting disgusted with him. Like I was yeah. like, up oh, that gonna, that's he's, the uh, first that's the first time you, you get that a key vibe. that he's like him shooting the eyes out of the Comanche, that's that's overt. That's in case you missed the subtlety at the beginning, because the subtlety is uh, Martin comes in. I could mistake you for a half breed, and he says, oh, "I'm only one eighth something." And uh, they say, "Oh, Ethan's the one who found you after your parents were were massacred." And he says, oh, it, it, "It was just me that found you. No reason to make a big deal out of it." And it's clear that he's like not thrilled about it. Like that—that's your yeah. first. That's that's the breadcrumb that becomes the loaf of bread when he's shooting the eyes out of. Dead Comanche I, warriors. I always laugh like 
when old films do like I'm this percentage of uh, Indian and this native. I'm like, what do you have? Ancestry.com? Are you spitting in the tube? You don't. Well, it's know. one eighth. He, he's got he's got two parents, and they each have two parents. You can do yeah. fractions. Yeah. yeah like, I, I, maybe I miss some. Yeah. So well, the guy can I, barely read though. So actually, I don't know. Someone must have told <laughs> him. So yeah, I I said so I missed something. So explain that that beginning part to me. Maybe I just missed this at the beginning of the movie. So Martin, the way he was, I mean, obviously his parents had died. He, he was taken by this family, but Ethan was specifically adopted. the one that brought him in. That's and, what they said. They said Ethan was the one who found you under that sage clump. Sage okay. Sage. Yeah, I definitely missed that. That that actually is even more interesting to the fact that he's the one that found him, brought him in from. You know his parents being massacred by whatever event had happened, which they don't explain, and and quote unquote saved him to be brought in and raised, and then is then on the same thing to go rescue Debbie after the fact, and then is like, nope, we're just gonna fucking kill her, can't save her. So then, no wonder Martin's way is, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's just interesting. I didn't put that together, but I think I just missed that key part. I just thought that there was something weird about. I don't like him. I think I don't think he likes anybody but white people. That's okay. You caught the joke where the guy got stabbed by uh, Green Hill Saber. Yeah, I missed that. <laughs> yeah, that, that was yeah. just funny. Yeah, the whole thing of the saber. Did you get shot? No. Was it an arrow? No. And, oh, uh, and he's sitting there with a giant saber swinging around, and the whole time he's like, "Watch what you do with that sword, boy." <laughs> See, I missed that. You missed the important character thing. Yeah. That's <laughs> well, right. I missed a very important part of the the, the plot. Yeah, that affects the character development, and and I got and you missed the joke at the very end of the movie that had nothing to do with the story. So yeah, Stephen. Well, there's one more I think important part about the development of Ethan's character, and I I think it it uh, notifies about everything else that goes on, and it's really easy to miss. And it's uh the Reverend has turned up and he's deputizing them so that they can go after rustlers. He thinks that ends up being the Comanche. And Ethan comes out and he's like, oh, what are you doing here? Oh my gosh, I haven't seen you since the surrender. Come to think of it, you weren't at the surrender. Okay, I'll I'll swear you in. He says, oh, it wouldn't be legal anyway. And uh, he says, why have you committed a crime? And he says, no, I, the way I see it, you can only have one oath at a time. And I took mine to the Confederate States of America. America. That's, that's him saying immediately, like, I don't subscribe to any of this. I'm outside of all of this. I don't... I think that's really important. And I think yeah. a lot of people brush over that. It's it's just supposed to be like, oh, the Confederates just lost the war and he's salty. It's, it was three years ago at this point when the Confederates lost the war and he's still clinging onto that idea. He's still wearing his Johnny Reb coat. And the I CFA think that fucking belt buckle. Yeah. Yeah, I Man. think that, that's really important. Right? Th that's the subtlety that I think is really easy to miss. Um, America died that day. He said, fuck it. Where uh, where did John Ford live, by the way? Was he a Southern boy? I don't know. Because because the, the, the few Union members that we see in this movie, they act like idiots. <laughs> like, they're very comedic. And I think he, I think he made movies that dealt with each side of the Civil War, though, perhaps. Okay. Yeah, probably. I'm trying to think what else. That's why I said, like, when I went into this film, I thought it was going to be a typical Cowboys and Indian movie. But there was so much depth to the part of like John Wayne's character Ethan, where I was just like, again, roller coaster. I was like, badass, what the fuck, you piece of shit. And then like, oh, he, <laughs> the racist has a heart <laughs> at the end. <laughs> and, then, and then, you know, obviously 
the the iconic shot of the doorway, which a lot of directors do these days now, probably because of him. Oh yeah, uh, and, and uh, just seeing him like walking out in the wilderness was like a very satisfying ending. Even though, like I'm not rooting for him, but I'm pretty sure he probably, maybe, possibly learned something from what he did. Um, as far as accepting Martin and accepting Debbie and probably not accepting the Indians at the moment, but just those two. I mean, it's a stepping stone, but who knows? Maybe not. And maybe he'll always be the racist dickhole. I think that's the answer. Yeah. (laughs) He might be. He might be. He might not. Maybe, Mm. Maybe his kind is getting left behind when society comes out and makes this a decent country. Whoa. That's that's the subtext of all this movie. Mm. I'm, I'm out of things to say. Um, so my final thoughts is I kind of love this movie. And I'm kind of interested to see if all the other movies will pan out to be either higher than this movie. So I'm excited to see what other movies we watch. I want to go next. I want to say this movie's great. And uh there is a very real pushback on stuff like the searchers and a lot of stuff that's peripheral to it nowadays. Um, ironically, because of the stuff that the searchers is trying to begin to reverse again, it's just one step in the proper direction for the, the kind, the better depiction of native Americans. It's not perfect, but it was the fifties. They were starting to figure out, Oh man, we've been doing this wrong for like, you know, 25 years in Hollywood, we're going to start doing this a little better. And how great was it that it's John Ford who does it like, you know, the, the Western King, the, one of the biggest filmmakers in Hollywood. But a lot of people nowadays, they all like to be like, Oh, didn't you ever read that John Wayne interview at playboy where he said something racist, I think. And John Ford, he made all these movies that depicted natives in a, a negative light. So a lot of people were trying to like distance themselves from this. It's not, fucking birth of a nation guys it's fine it's still it's just fine to watch and honestly like i said the searchers is the beginning of that healing process like if anything you should celebrate this movie if that's your mindset and if that's not your mindset you should you should watch it twice (laughs) yeah by the way everybody's favorite one of everybody's favorite heroic presidents ever uh woodrow wilson that was his favorite movie birth of a nation i just want to put that out there isn't woodrow wilson the worst president like in our life, not in in America. In our lifetime. <laughs> no, I wish. No, I, uh, I would say he's probably one of the worst. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. After yeah. hearing that, I'm starting to think it even more. <laughs> no, for other reasons, but that's just another. It offers you an interesting uh, perspective on his character. Hmm. Chaz. Oh, is it my turn? Yeah. Yeah. I. This movie sucked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trolling. I, I liked it, and it's yeah. I I mean, I enjoy. Uh, let me say, oh, I just enjoy westerns in general. I mean, it's it's not like my, my absolute favorite genre, but I I enjoy it, especially if there's a good plot uh, development. I I mean, I liked it. I I thought the only thing I I picked was that it. And toward the end, it felt a little, like it was just running just a little long. But I think that was just because they went from like being on the hunt to they went on the sidetrack thing with the wedding, and it was kind of okay. But the humor thing got me. I was like, eh, it's a little. It. And then they they finished the movie up and wrapped it up, so it was fine. They uh, swerved us a little. 
It did. Long. It did. I'll oh, go ahead. What were you going to say, Andy? It's long because it's the 50s. Uh, camera technology advanced to the point where it became easier to make longer movies because up until this point, it was like a huge pain in the ass. So a lot of directors made really long movies in the 50s. And they're like, oh, we're going to make movies so fucking long. And um, the public the was like, I'm sick and tired of this fucking bullshit. I need to pee really bad. Let me out of this theater. <laughs> so then they started backing it. They started backing it up a little bit. But in the 50s, a lot of directors like you know, uh, got out of control a little bit. Yeah, I think that's that is my only gripe with it. It's just a touch too long, and not not all terribly long. Just not outrageous. Just there's no, a touch too long. No, Five, I get 10 what minutes. It's good. I get what you're saying because I kind of felt the same way at that very exact point in the movie. I'm like, I felt like this movie could was about to end, and it's not. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, exactly. It, it was fine. It, they saved it. They did. They did, and, and and that was fine with me. So no, I definitely would recommend this if someone is new to western i think it's a great thing to watch and i do like too that again this is different than that typical uh is, is a typical uh picture of john wayne's character of the, like like you were saying before just keep your nose clean yeah they're a pilgrim like that's it's that's not him at all in this movie and and it's it's neat so no he's not uh, like fuck these scalpers and all that stuff and like, oh, no, like, we need to talk about that just a subtle thing of he went and he went out of his way during all of that in the chaos he, he, he was a kid, and he took he fucking scalped scar he was like a son of a bitch yeah i'm taking it oh yeah no yeah the, again it's i i like that because there is way more depth and layer and and again i, I love the subtlety of a film at this time uh, like this time period because when a film is done the like uh, the right way and it is really good there's so much inference and sometimes it's a bad thing if it's just way too many gaps but there's so much to read into with this movie the subtlety of what these characters intents really are what their backstories are it's great sometimes not to just have everything completely exposed and know everything uh that's, that's what right, makes it yeah. so neat because uh, we've talked about it. like they're like even sitting here, I even thought a little differently about the movie because like oh yeah, I interpreted this you know a different way. That's what's so cool about this. So so yeah, no, definitely recommend it. Uh, and again, like you said, one of more iconic shots at the end of the film uh, through the doorway. Oh, at the it very starts least, that way too. It's, it. it's a bookend. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's it's true. Yeah, that uh, uh, is true. Before before we move on to Zach, just to feed on your uh, scalper situation, I have a big nitpick. Uh, uh, I have a nitpick part because remember when they're trying to search for Deb? Yeah, remember when they were searching for Debbie and they go into like the house full of women that are like crazy because they've been through uh, hell with the tribes? Oh yeah, I forgot about that scene. That scene is uncomfortable. Yes, crazy it is. Yeah. I kind of liked it though because of that. I was like, "Holy shit!" Like that was like it. You know, it was, it was like a punch. You know, well, Dubs. What's your point? You said this is a gripe. Uh, the, the nitpick that I have is they didn't know what Debbie looked like, and I understand she was a child, and now she's like You're a she's a fifteen year old. But then, like John Wayne says, when they went to Scar's camp, and you're like, do you know what scalp you had? That was your uh, mother or whatever, or auntie or whatever. I'm like, motherfucker, you couldn't even tell who Debbie was. How do you know a scalp just what it's just skin and hair? You're just he, like that like that's he might just be saying that. I oh, think I, he was just saying that to, to fucking rile him up. You know? Oh no, he yeah, I definitely took it that way. Like, yeah, all the all the stuff either. How would he know? Yeah. Originally but, when I saw this movie, I thought, oh my gosh, oh whoa. But the more I've seen it, I, I think he's just being I think he's trying to motivate Martin to be like him. 
yeah. to to be what a homicidal heel. toward them. Yeah, like, yeah. like blindly <laughs> homicidal. Or just like he at first he kind of he kind of thinks of them all as, as pussies, right? Because he's like whenever the first initial groups together and the one guy wants to avenge Lucy and whatever, and they keep looking. And he's like, no, I know we'll find her. And he's like, no, I found her back there. You don't want to know what she looked like. And he and he is like, you wouldn't have been able to handle it. It's like, what was the point in telling you? And then. And he was like, like he basically, it'll lead to no good if I tell you. And then what happens? It did. Off and got himself killed. He knew what would happen because the the guy was gonna like act on emotion and get himself killed. That's exactly what he did. So, Mm -hmm. uh, I think after all this time that he spent with with Martin, I think he really thought, I think I can like he can I can get him to understand why we need to do this. And I really think it's to Martin's benefit, like his character. Like he is unwavering and like, okay, this is what we should do, and and I'm sticking to my family. No, you're wrong, and I think that's what actually helps Ethan change enough. Like, I, that's my opinion of it. Marty actually has the bigger effect on Ethan that it's enough to make him not be as cold. He the racist gets that heart right, and that again, that's that's I enjoy that a lot about the movie because um, it's supposed to make you think that Ethan makes Martin this rugged cowboy. And as much as he does, it helps him become the man that he, he needs to be. Martin also helps Ethan on the path, potentially on the path of redeeming some of the horrors of what he's done that we just don't know about. So anyway, we're back to the end because we keep going on and on about the film. We can do this for another hour. Uh, it's a great film. You should watch it. All right. Zach. <clears throat> yes. Great film. Uh, I was surprised by how much I liked it, actually, because, again, yeah, I, had no, I went into this totally blind. Which I prefer to do anyway, um, for the most for most of the time. But yeah, um, my emotion is when I turned on this movie. I'm like, ah, I hope it's not a typical western, and I'm like, fuck, this is awesome. <laughs> so yeah, I was done with the movie, and I was like, I had like a really good positive feeling. I was like, I feel like I've I've watched something that that enriched me a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, not to sound all hoity toity, but um, yeah, hot dog getting uh, grandstanding. <laughs> yeah i also want to like chaz was talking about with some of the, the scenes in the dialogue it was refreshing to watch a movie that just just babble talk at you all the time uh because that's how everybody writes nowadays for the most part fucking hate it it's it's really obnoxious and it makes everybody dumb that's the problem no, they, gotta, they gotta do it now because everyone is dumb yeah because so... that's happened for too long and everybody's been dumbed down yeah, okay, we are TikToks. we are dumb when we want. <laughs> it's not even that we're dumb. It's just that like people again. I, I'm I'm guilty of it too. We watch something and we want to know the backstory of it, so then we want to dig into it. But it's it's okay to just leave things as they are. Is it what are what based uh, John Carpenter said? Sometimes the story is a fucking story. There's nothing else. Yes, like, like yeah. sometimes that's okay. Yeah, right? my, my thing is this is a visual medium. Fucking show more than tell, please. In uh, in one of the Scorsese interviews I watched when, before we started recording, he talked about how uh, at some point I guess John Ford told John Wayne, um, "Whenever you're making a movie like this, if you have a scene where there's lots of people talking, make sure the next scene has beautiful scenery in it." Huh. That's how he made movies. Yeah, it's pretty. Cool. It works because if he did done it the other way around and it just went from one scene to the other, this movie would have gotten boring very fast. Yeah, yeah, yep. it's a good it buffer. It's it a buffer. really is. Um, yeah, yeah I, I I really recommend this one. Yeah, it's it's great. I'll I'll probably ask. It's one of those movies where I'm like, you like westerns? And we go, it's like you should watch The Searchers. That that's gonna come up. 
Yes, yep. this is this is it's basically this and uh the dollars trilogy. That's those are your gateway westerns. Is this dollars. on Criterion? No. No. Oh. Uh, it's owned by MGM, someone? I don't know. It's someone who famously will not work with them. I but thought it was Warner Brothers. It's got uh, the Warner Brothers logo. I think it is. Well, yeah, no, you're right. Uh, but it's um, it, it's like one of those movies that's like really big, and it actually has a really good um, release from its from its actual distributor. So Criterion doesn't really need... Like, Criterion takes stuff that's neglected and cleans it up and gives it a bunch of bonus features. Uh, the Searchers has bonus features. The Searchers has a nice, high-def 4K release. It's also so. really funny. The, the Searchers was, I think, the first movie, according to Wikipedia, where, like, they actually filmed behind-the-scenes stuff for that purpose. Really? Of, that's cool. Like, so, someday we'll put this shit out and people will think it's interesting. It was just a crazy idea back then. <laughs> so, what is next movie that we're going to be discussing next week? Uh, Andy said uh, Dollars Trilogy, and that's one of the movies in it. Whoa, uh, it's the third one. The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Is it the mm-hmm. third one? I, thought, I always thought it was the second. It's the third. It's a fistful of dollars, then a few dollars more, and then The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. However, you do not have to watch them in order. They're loosely associated with each other by having the man with no name as the protagonist. But even then it's debatable whether or not he plays the same man without a name in every movie. It's just, they're tied together with all like there's, um, uh, I, I think Eli Walsh and a few other people are in two of them and they play different characters in them. So yeah. it's, it's a trilogy. It's not like, you know, that's yeah. I was always confused about that. Also, this movie's also long, so buckle in, <laughs> buckle in, buckaroos. Well, the next two are going to be long. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The one after so, that is also long. It's it's long. And then we'll take a break. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll take a short break. All right. Uh, well, speaking of breaks, before we get into last word, here's an ad. Wrestling nerds, wrestling weebs, wrestling fans. If you're looking for a different kind of podcast, one that goes over actual big wrestling news, I mean real stories, not somebody getting divorced or baseless rumors or whatnot, and get some color, we got that. We also do reviews of wrestling from the past, but sometimes we also do wrestling from the modern day too, if it's something that interests us at the time. Other than that, I would say the main attraction is just three guys who have been lifelong wrestling fans doing what wrestling fans do. Cutting up, cracking jokes, and just enjoying the entertainment wrestling can provide. However that comes. If you want to catch Getting Some Color, you can catch it bi-weekly on Thursdays, 10 p.m. Eastern, usually. Usually. And we are going to be doing some getting some color this Thursday, by the way. We're going to be doing um, Starcade. Is it Starcade and Starcade the, and the Fall and Raw? Yeah. Yes. It will cap off 1993. Yes. Finally. And then, then we get into 1994. It's going to be wonderful. Before that, we're going to have an award show. And before that, WrestleMania. So, so yeah, WrestleMania is going to. So, we're probably going to review WrestleMania. So, yeah, I'm fucking hyped for that shit. Anyway, you guys will be like the only ones doing that all bit. Yeah, yeah I don't think anybody else is going to talk about that. Show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, what the hell I've been watching, playing, or doing? Um, obviously, bullshit. I watch, yeah, bullshit. Uh, playing <laughs> WWE 2K23. Uh, been he playing. Won't my, shut up about it. <laughs> I've, I've been playing my faction. I don't know why. It's it's kind of addictive. I'm not buying the fucking cards though. I'm just like using the 
uh grinding to get cards and shit but uh i did get my stone cold card what what (laughs) yeah so uh and also uh i've been messing around with gm mode and universe mode and trying to come up with my own version of gm mode because gm mode there's a lot of things that you could milk and it it gets stars uh on the match if you keep on changing the fucking title like it's attitude error so if like n- nobody's like making the fans happy you just put a title on it and if you put like a hell in a cell like makes everything better and i just think that's fucking stupid uh that is stupid because that's the opposite of what happens in real life yeah and i <laughs> I, I don't want like every show to be like oh man we need to in order for me to win, I have to like put them in this outrageous fucking match and give them a title shot so fans could be happy. Which again, it's kind of like real life today because fucking wrestling fans are stupid and they think everybody deserves a fucking title shot. Um, or they're desensitized to like a bunch of you know gimmicks and high spots, and it's just like if it's not that all the time, then it's boring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it turns out that there were people that they're vast minority, but they really liked Vince Russo booking. Yes. Those people, those people managed to find other people to procreate, and they had children, and then they taught those people that Vince Russo was the god of wrestling, and here we are, bro, bro, <laughs> bro. We're good. Oh, wrestling's got to be real, bro. bro. That's good. <laughs> wrestling is real. People are fake. Yes, exactly. That that's the truth. Yeah, wrestling's <laughs> the only real thing. We live in a simulation, and the fucking space is fake. Um. So I watch Bad Blood, um, a pay-per-view, just out of nowhere. I went on Peacock, and I was like, I just want to watch wrestling. So I watched a pay-per-view, Bad Blood. Found out that that was the day Brian Pillman died. And um, I have some words for Vince McMahon, because he had some questionable things that happened during that pay-per-view, and then the Raw after that pay-per-view. So throughout the night, he's like, we just found out Brian Pillman is dead. We'll get you back with updates on what happened. We found out that there was no foul play, meaning that, you know, he OD'd. Uh, and then, like, to replace the Dude Love versus Brian Pillman match, here are midgets wrestling. I'm like, wait, like, <laughs> yeah. what? I was then, watching that when it happened, and I was like, why is it midgets? And he's talking about how Brian Pillman died, and I'm just like, this is weird. I even thought that was weird back then. Yeah, and then in the Raw, uh, after that pay-per-view, he interviews his wife. Yeah. Not literally 24 hours after Brian Pillman's dead and does weird questions to the point where, like, so it wasn't our fault, right? <laughs> like, in a sense, he didn't kill himself because he's probably putting his body on the line and getting hurt and probably popping pain pills to go, you know, too much. My favorite was tell us, Tell us a little bit how you, how you feel right now. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. So, have you watched the Dark Side of the Ring episode about Brian Pillman? No, yep. not yet. You need to watch it. It's I think it's yeah. a two parter, and it talks about. I mean, obviously they cover this. They cover some of the details about that, and they cover about how he's gonna interview Melanie and how everyone else around are like, this is a bad idea on so many levels. And he's like, no, this is great. This is gonna be good television. Yeah, was it? No. No. It was, <laughs> it was really weird. cringy and weird and not a good idea. Yeah. It fucked her up. I mean, she was already having some trouble as is, but, I mean, you see what happened to her. It's, it's all kind of fucked up. 
But uh, and there's like rumors. And keep in mind, I know Brian Pillman's son, who wrestles for AEW, thinks badly of uh Brian Pillman's wife during that time because he thought like she was getting money for it or something like that. Um, that's the only reason why she did it was because of money and probably drug problems. But you know, when you're having a relationship with a father who has like these many wives, I'm pretty sure whoever with the current mom of Brian Pillman Jr. was like, yeah, fuck that bitch. She's an asshole. And he probably thought she was an asshole. But then again, I haven't watched the episode. Melanie is 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 his mom, mom, by the way. That that is his mom. Yeah, I was like, I was a little confused. Yeah, that Melanie is his mom. Yeah, he's the youngest of all the kids. He, yeah, it's, you should definitely watch the Dark Side of the Ring now that you've watched all this, okay. and and check it out because it's it's enlightening. Mm. It's it's a good, it, it's definitely a good episode as is anyway. But it'll definitely open your eyes up to some of the stuff that happened between them because he, it, it's not just that he also had a pretty messed up childhood even after Dad passed away. Like some some of the stuff of how he was raised and how he was handled after. Yeah. Um, it's worth watching. It's one of their better uh, episodes for sure. Yeah, and uh, I I went on like a weird rabbit hole, and I know I should be saving this for getting some color, but you know, I it's probably going to be packed for next episode anyway because we're going to be doing pay per view in a raw. But uh, I went down like a uh, Davy Boy Smith fucking <laughs> rabbit hole where uh, it, you were cooking. Yeah, yeah I, was, I, I was fucking <laughs> cooking, brother. I was cooking. Uh, I watched Wrestle Bio. Um, the YouTuber wrestle bio who does all of the reliving the Monday night wars. Yeah. Dude, Davey boy Smith does a lot of fucking chin locks. Watch, well. his, watch his matches. He's always on the floor. Just choking the fucking dude. That's a lot of chin holds. I started counting shit. Like I, I, I went on like a peacock rabbit hole of every, uh, bulldog match. And there's at least seven chin holds in every match. I think so. Davey does that because he's not necessarily like a leader in the ring. Mm. And it's just like when he's trying to figure, he needs to figure out what the fuck he needs to do next. That's that's like his go-to thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. TV show wise, I watched Picard. If you want to go watch my opinion on that, it's on my Couch Entertainment channel. Um, I still have fucking good things to say about it. Uh, Andy, since you're a TNG mark. There is a character that comes back that I think you will be surprised who comes back. And I, I, I'm i actually urging you guys to watch season three of Picard because you don't need to watch season one and season two. There's no literally no stories about that. It's a straight up season eight of TNG. And um, the pers- is, it, is it Barkley? Does Barkley come back? No. Damn. Uh, it's someone. Charles Barkley? I will say it's a Bajorn. So I'll, that's the only hint I'll give you. Oh, um, yeah. oh yeah. What was her name? The Jordan. The the, oh, the, the one that was last few seasons. Yeah, I. Do you want? I don't know what to... I don't know what y'all are talking about. Is so that, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So who it is? I'm I'm curious. I can't remember her name. It's Ro Ro. Ro, that's Instagram. Yeah. yeah. So she comes back, and it's an interesting episode, and I highly uh, say go watch it. Um. I think I already talked about episode nine last week of The Last of Us. Uh, <laughs> I just, I don't know. I don't feel anything for that that uh, that series. Maybe I'll give it another chance for season two, but I, I just was bored out of my mind for that. You just must have bad taste. That's what it is. Yeah. 
<laughs> Thank God that you're not an arbiter of 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 taste or quality, Dubs. <laughs> I yeah. still laugh that people say this is peak television, but I'm like, dude, that is that is a very hyperbolic statement. I'm like Sopranos, fucking Game of Thrones, before the last season. <laughs> That's why I'm like, y'all must not be fucking ever watching much TV at all to say something like that. Yeah, but. <laughs> Other than television that, peaked in the 60s. It was called the Twilight Zone. Yes, I highly agree with that uh, fact. I don't know. I, I don't know about that. <laughs> so, set, settle down. All right. Yeah. It peaked in the early 90s. It was called Twin Peaks. That's 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 fair. That's no. That get you back on my side. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you win him. <laughs> uh, but other than that, uh, I'm waiting for Resident Evil 4, which is coming out Friday, um, which. It's oh, gonna yeah. it's gonna make me like fucking like because we're gonna be talking about wrestling and I'm gonna be like fuck I want to play Resident Evil 4 now because we come out midnight and we usually finish it around like one or two a.m. in the morning. So I'm gonna be streaming Resident Evil 4 um, probably Friday night into the weekend. So catch me on Twitch.tv JoeDubs35. I have no news. So Andy, what, what the hell you been watching, playing, or doing? Um, I beat a game called Silent Hill 2, but I doubt anyone wants to discuss that at length. I so want to discuss I'll move it at on immediately. <laughs> no, you're not allowed. I beat Silent Hill 2. I did it. Good job. I'm What's that you tone? Did, did, you, did you like it? Yeah, of course. Okay. No, it's really good. It's, um, I really, really want to do something with this idea I have where uh, Silent Hill 2 and Dark Souls are the same game. I feel like you're onto something there. I feel I, really just, there's so many similarities. It's outrageous. And they both, I came to them both in the same way. I came to them both in this, I don't want to play this. And then I like begrudgingly started it. I was like, oh man, this game's really fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> but you um, be more open. No, that's what I'm trying to be. I'm, I'm trying to, uh, uh, last time I, I did a, a game blitz. I tried to play stuff from a bunch of genres I hadn't played before. Now I'm trying to play um, stuff that's, I don't know. I'm just trying to play games I want to play, I guess. There, I had a couple themes, but now I'm just like, I just made a hit list. I'm just going to get stuff off of it. I, I'm like, basically playing stuff that friends recommended to me first. Zach, I just did yours first. so Awesome. Guess because I'm the best. I take, so, I take priority. He's the best. I got a question. I know this is a really old game, so if you haven't played the game and and don't know, don't want to know the endings, fuck off. It's an yeah, old. The game. remake is coming, so you know maybe don't don't let yourself get spoiled if you if you haven't played it. What ending did you get? Uh, in water. I guess it's like the not great ending. It's not great. I think it's implied <laughs> that he kills himself, and I was like, well, "That's fucking stupid." He, he She's himself. like, "Go on and live for me," and he's like, "I'll kill myself." No, 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 James, what are you doing? <laughs> it's because of how you acted in the game. Yeah. Dude, that, dude, I, it's, I read the list of stuff to, that affects that. I was pissed off. It was like, oh, if you examine the knife in your inventory. Of course I did. I examined everything in my inventory it's, all it's not, the time. It's not just once. It's like I was telling you, though. I think the biggest deciding factor on that is what you keep your health at through the game. Which I kept mine. Now, mine was, I don't think my health was full the whole game. You guys warned me. You were like, oh, you better keep some stuff for the end of the game. And mm. uh, I didn't use the hunting rifle until the fight with the two pyramid heads. That was the first time I'd ever fired it. And I, I was like, oh, this, this must hand. be the last boss. I better start using the good guns. And, uh, you know, the ampules, I guess they restore your health a lot or to full or something. Yeah, Is that right? it's, it's to I, full. And you're like, 
you take less damage for like a short period of time. Really? Because uh, yeah. I'd never used one. I beat the game without ever using an ampule. <laughs> well, see, it's funny because like if you play enough of this genre of games, you get like trained to hoard things as you go. I mean, it's not even survival horror. I'm just that way in other games. Like, yeah, you know, I'll play Doom and I'll carry around like you know the rocket launcher, the BFG, the the what the the plasma rifle, and I'll just have full ammo for them for like several levels because I'm I'm gonna need this. I'm gonna need this later. I'm just gonna use the shotgun for now. I'll get by. I'll get by. Yeah. <laughs> Just use it. Just use it when it's when it's time. Honestly, uh, I'm a little surprised at myself because I thought I had done a good job at breaking that habit in Last of Us. That's one of my favorite elements of Last of Us is you got to like scrounge crap together and make you know nail bombs and and whatever you know Molotov cocktails and stuff. And I got to the point in that game where I was like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna use this stuff all the time." And it made them feel really valuable, but still I was getting a lot of, there's, there's points in the game where it's clear you're supposed to do that stuff. But in Silent Hill 2, for some reason, I just kept thinking, you know, I'm getting by. All right. I was doing like, if it was um the mannequin or the whatever, just the zombie or whatever they're called, just three shots or four puts it down. And then I run up on it with a pipe and eh, dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll tell you this, though, at least now now that you've played one game, I mean, we, we kind of played Silent Hill 1. Like, sort of, yeah, we co-opted it, kind we, of. We, we co-opted it. Maybe you'll want to revisit it by yourself now. Um, but uh, now that you got an idea how those games are, Silent Hill is a little bit more lenient with, like, the items and the enemies and stuff in terms of, like, how hard is it versus how many items you get. Like, you have to suck really bad at video games to not have anything in Silent Hill, honestly. Yeah, there were times after I'd started the game, I was like, I wonder if I should have put combat on easy. Maybe I should have done that because I'm an old man now and I'm bad at games. No, normal, normal. That's the way to go. Honestly, I wish I'd have put puzzle on hard a little bit. That's interesting. Uh, you should try it. But uh, no, RE is more, has the harder combat that makes you have to think about it. Yes, enemies. that is definitely true. Oh, uh, side note. I'm sorry, Andy. I, it's it's based off of survival horror. I played Resident Evil Two PC with randomized mode, and uh, <laughs> you know the part where Ada and and Leon kiss. Well, it randomized the chief <laughs> as Ada, so Leon was kissing the chief. <laughs> nice. How he was sucking. He was sucking up for that fucking promotion. Is what he was doing. <laughs> sucking pole. Yeah. Sucking was... pole. Police yeah. pole. <laughs> Police. Okay. Holy in summary. But yeah. uh I'm happy you beat that. That that that's my favorite Silent Hill game, Silent Hill 2. Um, which is funny because Silent Hill 1 and 3 deals with the cult, and like Silent Hill 2 goes like off of it's like it's a side story. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad for that. I think Silent Hill 2, the story in it is the best part of it. And the game has lots of elements that are worth talking about but i think the story and the way it presents the story is extremely good and i'm surprised i don't hear more about it frankly i, I have heard i've seen like lists of like oh the best story presentation of video games blah, blah, blah. and it's usually on there and that's what made me want to play it so bad well that and zach's recommendation basically those two elements together i decided oh, i'll finally play this game because i did i did own it after all but um i just it's so great. I, I really like that there's a lot of stuff in there that is only there if you look for it. Mm -hmm. I like um, I like all the other characters' stories, too. Like, I don't know. Just, I, I liked it. I liked everything. 
The, there's probably the, stuff you missed too. Uh, honestly, I, I don't doubt it. No, I'm sure there's there stuff is. in the town. There's areas you can go in that you don't realize that you skip over. I found a fucking RV. I was just playing it a few months ago because me and Dubs pretended we were going to play it, and neither of us really. Wait, know, I I beat it, sir. Oh, you uh, actually did. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> you just didn't tell me. Yeah. <laughs> I thought we just gave up, but I found like a fucking RV somewhere at the edge of town, and you can go in it. And you, there's a save point in it. Oh yeah, I found it. It's after I went through like a tunnel or something. And there's, yeah. there's weird things that dangle from the from the chain link or something. Yeah, it's right outside of there. I was like, oh, look at RV. I'll go in here. Did you did you find the the place that has there was a hole here? It's gone now. Written on the window in blood. Did you find I, that place? I don't recall that. That's one of my favorite favorite things in that game. <laughs> Remind me, guys. One of my favorite things in that game is you got to jump into your own grave to advance. It's so fucking cool. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> The lady with the knife in the mirror. Her name's Amy, right? Angela. 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 Okay. Uh, the conclusion of her story is like oh, dude. heartbreaking. Yeah, because uh, there's a part where James is like, "Don't hurt yourself. Like, don't essentially you know, off yourself, and like, come with me, and I'll protect you." And she's like, "Are you gonna take care of me?" Like, she like kind of like says, "I'm fucked up in the head with all the trauma I went through. Are you gonna be there for me 100 percent?" And it's then she's kind of like. Uh, no that's another that's another wonderful storytelling element is like she's in the graveyard looking for mama and that's already like like disturbing and like what's going on here and the next time you see her she has the knife and she's talking about hurting herself and you get it away from her and it's in your inventory the whole rest of the game and the description is like i don't plan on using this as a weapon and when you run back into her there at the very like the final half hour of the game she's like give me my knife back and james is like no and that's it like it's not the solution to a puzzle you don't do anything with it it's just it's part of the story and it's taking up room in your inventory to tell that story i i love that that's so cool but she just yeah, walks weird. into the fire yeah she says it's hey. like this for me all the time and i was like what yeah uh, what do you think of the uh the voice acting for the whole game now now that you've played it and stuff uh, four out of five, I guess. There was a few times I was like, mm, "That's a little weird," but most of it's really good. Well, now, now you can understand why people are so upset when they did the the HD collection, and they're like, "We're going to recast everybody and make everybody overact like anime more." No, the woman who did Mary slash Maria, she was really good. Yes, mm-hmm. she's yeah. probably the best voice actor in the game. Well, people, uh, she also did Angela, I think. Oh, for real? Hmm. I think, or somebody else. I, I might be confusing that with a different game. But um, one of the things people say about that game is like, everybody sounds weird or bad. And it's like, they sound weird on purpose. On purpose. I yeah. think that, yeah, I know I get that. Because there was a lot of stuff about the way Eddie spoke that bothered me. And then later it's like, oh, he's a crazy person. Of course yes. he speaks strangely. There's and, still like there's still some stuff with his performance that I was kind of like, oh, that's kind of cringy or weird. But, but Angela, too. Yeah, it's very weird. She's strangely lost. Yes. Yeah, no, but some of it I chalk up to oh, it's supposed to be creepy, or they're out of their minds, or they're tormented by blank. Like everyone is obviously there because they were called to Silent Hill because of some shit that they did. And some of them it's really clear, or shit that happened to them, I guess. Like I I don't know, like 
I don't did you know. get what did you get what happened to Angela in, in the, the boss fight in the weird tunnels? Do, do you understand what happened there? Uh vaguely. The the one that I didn't get was uh what's the little girl's name? Laura? Yeah. I that's the only one I didn't pick up on. Well she was in the ho- Yeah, she was in the hospital with uh with James' wife. Right. And like I guess they built a a because the way I see Silent Hill, especially in Silent Hill 2, is that they're all going through like this depression, yeah. but they're all conscious in the same city and same elements of danger with all these monsters and demons and stuff. So I think the child was just sad and she was just there, in my opinion. She was just there from the high, but the whole thing, the, the key thing there is like, James is like, what are you doing out here? It's dangerous. And she's like, what are you talking about? It's because she doesn't see anything. Yeah, maybe. I guess that's that's possible too. I mean, that, I, that's what it is. I don't know. That, there's there's a lot to think about. I actually, after I finished it, I finally got from from a Kickstarter. I got a bunch of books from Boss Fight books. One of them is Silent Hill Two, so I'm Red. reading that now. It's oh. Are you gonna Are you gonna progress with the series? Uh yeah, but honestly, I think I'm just gonna have to buy the stupid HD collection to play three because it's like a hundred dollars now. Oh, don't do that. No. But they didn't change the voice actors in three, right? Yes, they did. Oh well, then whatever. And there's there's no option to change it back, and it also runs worse than what Silent Hill Two does. Um, I'll see. Maybe maybe I'll keep my eye out for it one day. We'll see what happens. We'll see. But also, um, <clears throat> the very next day, I beat uh, Warrior Land Three. Those were the two games I was working on side by side, and somehow they just came out at the same time. Warrior Land Three does not have a complicated story about. Uh, loss and regret and killing your wife in a hospital bed but uh it is a really fun game um it's some of the best level design nintendo has ever done there's a lot of people who will talk about a warrior land as like the shining example of of level design and nintendo is criminal for um neglecting it for so long yeah i'm in that camp now warrior land is so much fun the levels are so cool um but the the story is just this powerful guy is like, hey, get these get these music boxes and uh, free me. And Warrior's like, eh, what's in it for me? And the guy's like, you can keep all the treasure you find. And Warrior's like, yeah, I'm in. <laughs> that's, the, <laughs> that's the plot. I'm a simple guy. <laughs> all right, cool. You son but of a bitch, I'm in. It, you son of a bitch, I'm in. And uh, yeah, that's it's uh, if you've got Switch online, you've got it now. I highly recommend giving it a shot. Like you don't have to. I I hundred percented it. I got every treasure. You don't have to do that to beat the game. The only thing you get for beating it with 100% of the treasures is at the end, there's a screen where it says perfect, and Wario gives you a thumbs up. That's it. Ah, that's the one you sent us. And you're like, look at that. I did it. I got 100%. He's like, yeah. And it like flashes perfect in different colors. That's all you get. It's a Game Boy Color game. What do you expect? I was like, God damn it. I don't get like a a bonus cutscene or something. It's Game Boy Color. I know, I know, I know. (laughs) Um, And yeah, I mostly focused on gaming this week the one thing i did watch is i watched the saudi arabian grand prix i'm uh i'm into formula one now i'm that guy so i have i have a subscription to the f1 streaming nonsense so i watched a few other things i watched like highlights from qualifying and stuff some screwy things happened that made the saudi arabian grand prix pretty interesting they beheaded somebody mid show no not this waiting time. for them to do that Jihad. not this time <laughs> I'm just waiting for that to happen during a wrestling show. Uh, is PS2 uh, region free or re- uh, no. no? No, I was going to say U- there's UK tricks version. you can do. 
There's there's things you can do. No. Yeah, I'm I'm uh I'm 100 planning to mod mine at some point. I just haven't got around to it. That might help uh, you get a cheaper copy of Silent Hill Three because I'm pretty sure the dialogue is in English. Oh really? Yeah. UK yeah. version is seventy no bucks. Chance. Well, are the descriptions of the items and the inventory and stuff in English too? Like that's the thing. I don't know oh, the European to... version. Okay, you could get a work. European version. Yeah. No, I, I I fully plan to modify pretty much all of my consoles at some point. I want to be able to play everything from every region. And yeah. uh, if these companies won't sell me these games, I want to be able to play them somehow that I will not describe any further. <laughs> I will pull them from a resource that everybody has access to. That's oh, correct. <laughs> Andy's going to buy a boat. A yacht. A yacht. Yeah. But that's it. I didn't have time to watch much else besides that, like some piddly like YouTube shit, but who cares? YouTube shit. Yeah, we'll get to your news because you're just going to remind us of something that you said about last week. Oh yeah, uh, this is it, folks. Friday, the 3DS and Wii U shops go away forever. So if you want to, if you want to play Pushmo, this is your last chance. And something I forgot about, but have was reminded by by just a random Twitter post that includes DLC. So if you have any Wii U games that have DLC for them, this is your last chance. So Sick. something to consider. That's all. And then it'll be gone forever, and then in a year you're going to be like, oh man, I wish I'd have downloaded these games on the 3DS because the cartridges are worth $300 now. So, you know, I tried to warn you. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> All right. Chaz, what the hell have you been watching, playing, or doing? I got up to a mix of stuff. Um, still grinding through Boruto. Uh, we'll get there. Grinding. <laughs> I figured you'd have finished it by now. You didn't have much left, did you? Um, yeah, I, I honestly hadn't watched a whole lot, though. I, between work and other stuff I'd been doing, uh, I, I hadn't watched a ton. But, I, I mean, I'm I'm pretty close to catching up to what is available in, in dub, so. Are you, uh, are you still enjoying it? You referred to it as grinding. That sounds... Oh, I just mean in the general sense. No, I, I'm enjoying <laughs> it. But, like, it was the first, like... The first handful of episodes, it was kind of hard to get into, and I was I was actually ready to maybe quit. I was like, "This really is Boruto, ha ha." Well, but then they did the whole they did a the whole thing. I think I talked about it last week. They they flipped shit on its head, and, and, and since then it's been interesting. So I, I'm I'm still with it. So, um, I continued to keep playing Overwatch two, which I was very happy that I didn't just like give up on it and play it and knocking the rust off. Actually, right before we. We did our show. I played, jumped up and played with some friends, and I managed to get uh, one of the kill cam play of the games where I got a, an entire team kill off of my my ult uh, playing Red. the old Reaper Man. And of course, because I'm a, a man of class, I'm I'm not just playing Reaper and I'm edgy and cool. No, I've got him in his skin where he's dressed in his whole. Uh, I think it's called El Blanco, and he's in all white with the the fucking sombrero and the guitar on his back, and he's like ready to to do the the thing with the mariachi so it's just does, he still, does he still say die 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 oh he definitely does he does de- yeah <laughs> why do you even make a sequel it's, 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 it's like the first one it, it's literally just the it's they called it overwatch 2 but it's, it's just an, an extension it is a massive update to the game and they added some other stuff and and cleaned some stuff up it's the same game it's overwatch i mean even all of my like settings and stuff carried over uh uh, which actually was a really cool thing. 
that it has all the crossplay stuff together that it was able to carry over like the specific player settings I have for certain characters and whatnot. But yeah, it's been fun to play though. I I still enjoy playing it a lot. I enjoy throwing fastballs with Zenyatta at people's heads and, and getting kills. I, That's funny. I just want to say I fuck I fucking hate gaming today where their their idea of sequels is hey we're just gonna make it look good and uh, add a couple of characters and maybe a couple of maps and call it a day. I only care about that if they're trying to, to resell it and then charging you all the money for it. Overwatch is one of those things where, again, modern gaming gets already that way anyway. If they, let's just say they just called it Overwatch and they just added the characters they did and said Overwatch 2 would be fine. But, uh, but yeah, I'm not getting charged a, a yeah, crap ton true. of money to be playing it. So I'm at least cool with that. It's like I played League of Legends for, for years and years. They never changed it. It's just like they updated every now and again. Add new stuff and it's constantly going, but but yeah, if they were like, oh yeah, you in order to play it, you had to just outright buy it again and, and buy a completely new game, even if you're playing the other, that'd be a bunch of crap. I'd be pretty pissed about that. Well, that's uh, that's why I kind of like commend Fortnite a little bit because every season that comes out, I'm like, wow, this is a fucking totally different game. <laughs> like, what the fuck There's is a going lot of on? Content in that game, that's for sure. Like, yeah. you know, say what you yeah. want about it, but man, yeah, it's well they, supported. They have figured out the formula to keep it, keep making money, and keep people interested in it. So, um, but anyway, as oh, far as other games, I did finally play the RE4 Chainsaw demo. Uh, yes, I I got killed. <laughs> I got obliterated by. Did you but, get chainsawed? Uh, I did not get chainsawed. Actually, I, I was about to, and I actually managed to. Uh, do the parry, which was really cool, but then a lady came up behind me and got me with the pitchfork death. Fuck. Uh, yeah, but I did get to do the thing where I dropped all of my items. I pulled the brave play, and I went for all the items to go down in the little cave. The problem is I had no fucking clue where the cave is, because I'm playing it blind. So I just found it eventually to get down there and got the TMP and loaded it up and was ready, but I just got overwhelmed. I mean, I eventually got out of there, I but that you're was... supposed just... to do that on, like, a second try. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, whatever. It's a demo. It's fine. We I did told you where to go. You you did, but uh, I couldn't remember if you said left or right, so I went left, and it wasn't left. This <laughs> 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 is fine. I, I mean, I had fun doing. It. I played the second. I died, and then the second time around, I went through it. I got through it. It's <laughs> it's, it's fun. So, um, and then of course, I, got, still got to hear the the line. Where are they going? Bingo. Bingo. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, the game is beautiful. Oh, yeah. uh, it immediately felt intense. I really liked the whole thing of them covering the backstory at the very beginning like they did. Uh, versus, you know, the other game, like, they still kind of just leave things open if you don't know about it. Um, you mean after Code Veronica remastered? Not yet. Remake, <laughs> I mean to say. It'll come but, later. They should yeah. just make it and just like lie to people. Just call it Resident Evil 3.5 or something like that, and people just be like, "Oh, okay, all right." I don't even know. Just name it something else. Yeah. Code yeah. Why? Code it's, it's like those code uh, or the uh, wrestling memes of the people holding up signs. Make a remake. Of Code they should, they should pull a Yakuza. Just call it Resident Evil Biohazard or something. Resident Evil Kiwami. <laughs> Code Valerie. Like a dragon. That's like what I mean, because be. Yakuza in Japan is called like be. a dragon. So <laughs> yeah. when they called it Yakuza <laughs> like a dragon, they called it Yakuza Yakuza. Yes. Yeah. Yakuza squared. 
<laughs> exactly. No, that's it. It's Resident Evil, Biohazard, like a zombie, Ultra Plus Mega. Believe Cubed. it. Now featuring Dante from the Devil May Cry series. And yes. Chun-Li. <laughs> so, uh, other things that I did, I watched some wrestling, which we'll talk about more on Getting Some Color. It's Thursday. Uh, still occasionally get the chance to hang out with my child and watch Bluey go on again about how awesome that show is. It's just funny. Uh, the um, the kid is getting ballsy with some of the stuff she says. Today she just looked at me and said, uh, Daddy, stop talking. I don't like your voice. Words <laughs> <laughs> were verbatim what my child said to me. Oh, and I was like, what? And, and now I she's catching on. Me. I immediately I'm getting said, a soundboard soon. Can you have her record that for me? <laughs> I immediately said, oh, I don't like your face. And she said, Daddy! And she threw her doll down on the floor, and she got into her little pout castle and cried. Pout castle. She has a pout castle. It's pretty great. Uh, anyway. You tell her, so you need to watch what you say, because somebody might say something back that you don't like. That's right. You don't, don't talk don't shit. Get hit. Take what you can't dish out, brother. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I, I can totally see Chaz going up to a whiteboard, making the chart, and like fuck around and find out. Find <laughs> out. It's like listen, that's how it goes. You go learn today. Uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, but uh, the, the main thing that I actually did is I went to this big trading card expo on Saturday, and uh, I did a lot of haggling and for cards. I sold a bunch of stuff that I had, and then turned that into more cards, but then spent you know thousands after that to then get other things and on top of that i was like you know what i'm so close to finishing the thing that i wanted to do so i proceeded to go on the, re- the remaining impulse bender with my my tax refund money and here we are i am now currently waiting for like 40 packages in the mail uh, or whatever hopefully it's not really there. 40 but yeah hopefully, hopefully these are legit <laughs> yeah, the nice thing is i didn't just buy this some guy some jack off on reddit you know I, it's way more legitimate i got it on ebay no but uh but really though like <laughs> i got uh, all these from wish.com Yu-Gi-Oh cards instead have you ever heard of mercari no. this uh, is beyblades <laughs> But anyway, uh, once whatever, however many packages it is, it's a couple dozen or something. When, once they get here, uh, I will have ridiculous little trade binder nonsense. And then I'm sure I'll find something else to move on to and, and buy that I shouldn't. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's it a fun weekend. And I think I act, maybe inadvertently gotten a friend of mine um, addicted to Pokemon cards. Sounds oh, like no. it. Uh, yeah, because he came with me, didn't, he actually sold some of his, like, trading cards in Magic the Gathering, played, uh, or didn't play anything, but he, like, helped me try to find some cards I was looking for, then, like, got some baseball cards, and, uh, some other, like, trading cards for football, and then he was, like, asking me stuff about Pokemon, and he's like, oh, maybe I'll download it, and he downloaded the thing, and he's been messaging me, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm playing at this, what are these decks, and he's wanting me to send stuff to him, I'm like, I'm He's got the bug. Uh-oh. It's going to happen. He, he's like in the mindset of, oh, well, I can keep playing online and I'll enjoy it and I'll learn how to play. And then whenever I'm ready to play, like in real life, I'll just come to your house and play and hang out. Or I'll just go to an event with you and you, I'll just borrow one of your decks. And I'm like, yeah, that's, I mean, that's fine. I've got a bajillion decks. It's, you can do that. So, but I just wonder how true that is. It'll turn more into, oh, well, I just, I'll get one deck for myself if you're not available. And then just, he's going to. Just one more. Yeah. Huh. Y'all got any more of those Mewtwo Charizard cards? <laughs> so, yeah. 
That's like but, my friend when he was trying to get me into Warhammer, and I looked at the price. Up, fuck this! No, yeah, no way, dude. Yeah. I, I went to a I went to a hobby shop, and I was buying minis for D and D, and the guy was like, "You know what you want to get into? This Warhammer shit. It's awesome. It's like painting, mm. painting little guys. The, I'll show you some little guys to paint." And I was like, "Yeah, okay. Tell me more." And he like showed them to me. I was like, oh, no, "Never mind. You're talking to the wrong guy, buddy. You need to get someone with some money in here." <laughs> 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 that's funny uh the one th- the one thing i did get to see which is really cool um which i'm not gonna pull my binders back out and show but uh the very first like when pokemon first started the very original uh pre-release they held um they they made the first four pre-releases they made when they made jungle fossil um team rocket and the gym leaders they had they had pre-release cards they gave out to the people that came to the event or one and they, they didn't make too many of these cards well at least the first and second one they made a bunch of the dark Gyarados. everyone and their mother had that card if, if you played at the time um but uh the very first one was clefable it's really hard to find in fact i had never seen one before uh, until this time and i thought well if i can find it i'll see it the very first table i go to i made this massive trade where i sold like four thousand dollars of the cards and i bought like six thousand and one of the cards i bought was that and it was in a psa slab and i got home and i cracked it out of the slab and i was like this card's worth like crazy amounts of money and it's like wait there's really not many of these cards out here so it's not it's not actually worth as much but maybe it is i don't know the price ranges from like if you look on a site Maybe it's two hundred dollars. Maybe it's two thousand dollars. Who's to say? What's it worth to you? Yeah. Uh, but uh, anyway, we gave up too soon on streaming that stuff. People like that kind of thing. Like, oh, we're gonna crack these slabs. I'm gonna complete the set. I'm gonna well, didn't he open these camera? boxes. It's mail day. Oh, yeah. Well, it, it, I think the mail day stuff. I've, I never really got into doing the recording for. It. it was just cracking like packs, and then like there's the whole the whole like rabbit hole of. If you open till product, you can like sale and auction stuff off on, on whatnot and stuff. Um, and I've done a little bit of that, but it's it, time. It's just like I can't have a consistent stream uh, because of work, and and maybe that's something down the road I can do later on. But there's just not enough stability now. Um, but I, uh, I hear you on the consistency. <laughs> yeah, it's stability's a thing. Uh, I did have uh, some news, but I can wait if we want to finish up and, and do it and i forgot it this is just a really cool thing i wanted to bring up on the show because it's it's relevant to one of the series we've covered um do we want to move on and let that go first and then i come back to it or can we bring it up now just tell us you teased us now tell us yeah. okay zach, zach gets to do the curtains so if you guys are aware magic the gathering uh they do these card sets where uh these universe sets where they go to different realms now and they're tying in like transformers and they the street fighter uh a special is this set. about black aragorn is this Fortnite? No, 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 no. It, it's it's about Lord of the Rings. It's not about. We're not gonna talk about Black Aragorn. He's there. Whatever. Fucking. If anyone's got a problem with it, fucking untuck your your, your fucking mangina. It, it, I just, love it. Just, who I love gives it. a fuck? Like. So, anyway, it is about Lord of the Rings. But this is what's really cool. I just love the commitment to this. So they are now making a Word of the Ring set. Of course, they're printing all the characters, different things. They are printing a card called the One Ring, obviously. Something they are doing that's really, really cool. They are making special versions of the One Ring, like the ultra-rare printing of it. And they are going to make a certain one that's written in uh, certain languages. Uh, nice. And 
and they're only making a set a number of them. So like I, in the number of matches for based on like what are the books? Like I can't remember the numbers. They're they're using numbers that are relative because they want people to be able to get them. So like they're not using like three three of this card only and seven of this one and not in the nine for the the, the humans. Uh, but they're making like fifty of these and and or, or ninety of these and nine hundred of these and three hundred of these. Like they're but they're making them and they're going to be written in Elvish, Dwarven, and and just whatever. <sighs> then they're making one extra special one that is the it's literally the one one ring, and they're only making one copy of it. And they're just mm-hmm. randomly putting it in a pack and saying good luck. They've never done that before with a card, and it's like, that's insane dedication to the fact that it's the one card. Um, Yeah, that's cool, but that's cool, especially for people, you know, like you, you know, you're like gung-ho, collecty boy, but for like the rest of us, it's like, ugh. What's Great, the value of that? Never own okay, here. but what's the value of that card though? Like the the other cards, okay, sure, I'm I'm cool with that. But what what is truly the value of the the card that is literally just printed like one copy of it? Like there's not even a value for it because there's no market, no one has it, so it's like you can't find it. It's almost like does this card even exist? Is it just a troll? But uh, oh, I want a golden ticket. I don't want to go to that chocolate factory. But I think it's neat that they dedicated, like they they went ahead and did the one ring to rule them all. And someone made a joke uh, while I was at this trading expo because we were all talking about it because we're nerds, and we're talking about how it. This guy's like, I think someone should come up with a video when they open that they should then take it to a volcano and throw it in. And I was like, that's funny. But what would be better is if you got Elijah Wood to go up there with you and he throws it in there. Well, and, he, he would stop. He wouldn't want to do it. Yeah, that's why you got to carry him up there and make sure he does it. And then, like, a little, like, tattered, like, (laughs) malnourished Gary Busey attacks him and is like, no, it's mine, and throws a fit. Yeah, I've recasted it. It's not that it couldn't be. uh, Oh, what's what's the dude that played Gollum? What's his name? Thank you, Andy Serkis. It it definitely be him, but it's funnier to me that it's Gary Busey. By the way, look up St. Patrick's Day Gary Busey picture. You're welcome. Uh, when are we going to get a handicapped Aragon? Well, I don't know. I have representation for everybody. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, yeah, I, I guess some people were upset about that, but I just, that's... No, the only thing I'll say is, like, the, the there was a TikTok of, obviously, uh, an African-American, and he was, like, crying and shit. I'm like, you crying over a fucking magic card? <laughs> what the fuck? But I digress. Hey. Yeah, that's what people, whatever it means to them, yeah. I mean, people cry opening, uh, like when they open Christmas package, they get nostalgia because they open something old or whatever, and it's like, hey, look at this. I, I remember opening this when I was a kid or something. I, so, mm. hey, if it makes someone happy, it's like, like I, I'm not going to be upset if someone like gets happy or has an overly positive experience with something because that does nothing bad to anybody else, and it's just a good vibe. The opposite's not true, though. If, it, if somebody has like a super negative reaction and they're like, "Oh, I'm going to share all of my my nonsense and hatred over it," and that doesn't lead to anything good, so it's like, "Ah, eh, keep it to yourself." Whatever, it's card game. So, that all being said, yeah, that's 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 all I got for news. All right, Zach, what about the what you've been watching, playing, or doing? Uh, I watched the Outlaw Josie Wales over the weekend. Yes, good movie. Because I was. I was, it was earmarked to get picked for this series of, of Westerns and I changed my mind. 
and I was like, oh, I still want to watch it anyway, because I had like a weird itch to watch that movie again. It's it'd been a very long time since I've seen it. And yeah, it's good. And uh <laughs> I don't know. I really I just really like that story uh and everything in it. Apparently it's been <laughs> I was reading about it after I watched it. Apparently, it's based off of a book written by a guy who was like a segregationist in like the fifties or some shit. Hmm. Uh, uh, and uh, it got changed to uh, the name of it got changed to uh, "Going to Texas" or, or some shit uh, after this movie had come out. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I guess that guy was an asshole, but he wrote a good story. <laughs> I don't know what else you could really say about that. The um, Union movie was an asshole in that, that movie with the Gatlin gun. Fuck them. I mean, yeah, that's that's one of the movies I think, I, I, like, uh, I don't know if Clint Eastwood knew about that <laughs> when he when he got that book, because that guy had a pen name. Uh, it, it was like, it wasn't totally unrelated to, like, his political shit or something. Mm-hmm. I, I think that, that fact only got revealed later. Uh, but still cool movie. Uh, I liked a lot of the characters in it. Uh, I forgot a lot of stuff in it too, actually. It's got some of my favorite lines he ever says ever in it though. Like, you know, dying ain't much of a living boy and he shoots that motherfucker. It's awesome. It was like, you're going to go on this thing called a Missouri boat ride. And he sends those dudes down the fucking river. It's good shit. Dude, that <laughs> fucking seat is fucking good. I love it. Yeah. Especially when he shoots the rope. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, I like the uh, the um, the old Indian guy he finds. It's another example of like he's kind of a comedic character, but he's not like a total joke either. <laughs> he's just, mm. I like him. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, good movie. Uh, I played. I still been playing Control. I've been going on previously about this thing. It's like this game's. I think it's connected to Alan Wake. Remedy says like all these games are connected that they've been doing lately. And, it's true, because randomly, I found a document, sure, I think I mentioned that before, but randomly I was playing, and then all of a sudden Alan Wake is talking to me. <laughs> and, and I'm like, "Am I do- what the fuck's happening? Am I doing something for Alan Wake now? <laughs> and I'm, uh, oh, what, I'm, I'm kind of hoping, because obviously Remedy put uh, Alan Wake in this, but I'm hoping they, like, shoe it in fucking Max Payne somehow with Control and Alan Wake and stuff. That would be hilarious. Is Max Payne, like, is that a dead series? Like, what's up with that? Yeah, is after it... 3, like, it died. Yeah, I, I think 3 definitively concluded the story, from what I understand. I have not played it. Yeah, 3 is a good game. A lot of people give it hate, but it's actually a solid game, but I digress. Hmm. Well, it, it turned out this thing is a DLC that I, I've stumbled into because mm. I, I have the Ultimate Edition that's like uh. everything. And I was like, oh, this, this is the, the Alan Wake related DLC. This is where, where it hard connects. Yeah, it's not part of the main story. Yeah. And I'm like getting all this stuff about it and I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to play this game later so I can know what's happening. <laughs> um, I've Got WWE 2K23, and I've only played it a little bit because I'm trying to focus on finishing control before RE4 comes out. Mm-hmm. So I don't really have much to say about it right now, other than it's, it's it feels it's it's still improved from what it was. Yes, um, I have been listening to the, the Insert uh, Credit podcast. Oh uh, yeah, I've only 
done two episodes so far. The one where they nominated, they're like, what is the best games of all time? Nonsense. And now it was like the best games of 2022. And it's it's fun. I, I think I'm I'm plugged in now. And uh, I will say some 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 of those guys have, have very interesting opinions about video yeah, games. That's that's why I like that podcast because like I know the regular opinions about podcasts, but all of them are like outrageous weirdos in some weird specific way, and that's yeah. what makes it entertaining. It is. So some of it I'm like, what are you saying? But it's like some of it's like, oh, all right, right on. I agree with this. Uh, and I got news, uh, which is uh, I found out, I think it was yesterday. Uh, Dust Golem was reported. Dust Golem is a guy who's been leaking like Capcom stuff uh, for like the past, I don't know, 10 years. He was found dead. He was no, found not- Hadoukened in the back of the head twice. No, uh, he's okay. <laughs> he, he dropped some, uh, some rumors that, uh, Separate ways, the extra uh, mode that was added to like the PS2 port or Resident Evil 4, and has been in every other version of it since. The one where you play Zeta in her part of the story is going to be uh, DLC for this game, and it's supposed uh, supposedly it's going to be expanded upon greatly. So there wasn't much to it before. There wasn't, but I liked what was there. Uh, I always liked playing that. I thought it was cool. So if they're going to expand it too, looking forward to that. And that's all I got. All right. So, yeah, I don't have any other news, but I was going to bring up the whole EA is uh, pretty much going to be deading some games digitally so that you can't buy them anymore. And Mirror's Edge was going to be on there and that got walked back. So thank God. Uh, well, Mirror's Edge got walked back, but all that other shit's dying. Yeah. I mean, but- uh, most of them are multiplayer anyway. Who who here played a Battlefield single player game? Yo. You? Like the OG? No, just any of the any of the Battlefield, Battlefield one is one of my favorite shooters ever. Oh, yeah, that's right. It had a single player. Battlefield one actually does have a cool single player. Yeah, yeah. I re- I really like that game. Also, I played uh both bad company games. They're hilarious and I love them. Yeah, yeah that's another one. I guess well, there were they're gone forever now. Gone forever. Bye bye. Uh, I own them physically. So when you were smart, you I collected. <laughs> you were smart. You weren't some weirdo that just wants to live in a pod or something. Yeah, I sold everything that I ever owned, but I have a Shadowless Charizard. <laughs> <laughs> I have a binder of cards of no other life now. I have no regrets. So next week we're going to be talking about the good, bad, and the ugly. Um, obviously like, and subscribe to this podcast. We're on all podcast stuff. If you look up big trouble Little podcast, we're there getting some color this Thursday. It's going to close out the month, but we're also going to be doing an award show for the whole year of 1993 on a different episode. And then keep in mind, we have fucking WrestleMania coming up too. uh, two nighter, uh, which I hope, uh, triple H changes that down the road. I want it back to one night, please. It uh, sounds like everyone. I haven't talked to a single person who think that's a good idea. Well, people that. like that are people that like like religiously watch New Japan and think that's fine. Yeah, where Wrestle Kingdom is like fucking twenty fucking nights. I, I want. I'm I wanted. It, I wanted it to be a whole week, but it's just me. Wrestle Kingdom week. <laughs> Fuck. Wrestle yeah. week. 
Wrestle Week. Wrestle Week Mania. Wrestle Weeky ain't it. Fuck it. Anyway, uh, we're going to close it out here, guys. We will see you next Tuesday. Bye. Thanks for listening. Tennis ball, throw it against the wall. 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 Helps me forget about my cancer.